Yeah, how are you? Welcome, Adam Kochi Podcast. I'm good, thanks, Adam. How are you? Pretty good, pretty good. It's, uh, it's a pleasure to have you on. Uh, we've never actually met in person, so this is the first time we're actually talking, I guess, uh, other than just messaging on, on social media and stuff. But I thought you'd be an interesting person to have on because of uh, your Muay Thai fighting, which is probably what caught my eye. That's probably why I follow you on social media. Yeah, um, I do get that quite a bit. That's why people sort of follow me, and that's where I sort of got my name from. So, hmm. How yeah. long have you been doing that for? Um, I started training when I was about probably 13, 14. I started off doing a little bit of Taekwondo, a little bit of kickboxing, and then it sort of just turned into Muay Thai. And then I've been doing that, yes, for about eight to 10 years now. Wow, okay. So you're, you're um, well, uh, you're, pretty, you're pretty good at it is what I'm saying. You're, uh, you, you've had a few fights. I actually watched one of your fights the other night. Uh, pretty brutal. I don't, I don't know if I'd be able to do that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was my last fight. That was pretty brutal. That was my first cut that I got. I got a big cut that had eight stitches like across my head. Yeah, yeah. It was right at the end of the fight, wasn't it? Yeah, there was like, a little sticky toward... elbow. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I remember you actually posted um, photos of that on your, mm. on your Instagram and I was like, oh my God, that looks brutal. And then actually seeing it like in, in the fight, I was like, I don't know if I'm man enough to do this. <laughs> yeah, originally we thought it was like a, a tiny little cut because it was just under my braids. And the doctor was like, yeah, that's going to be one or two stitches. And then he undid my braid and basically half my skull was hanging out. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's bad. But I guess, um, you know, you've been doing it for that long now. You're kind of used to that. That's, that's, you said that's the first cut you've ever had, like bad cut? Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, so that's the first cut. But I've had broken bones and bruises and all that sort of stuff before. Oh, really? What, what have you broken? <laughs> I've broken my ankle twice. I've broken my navicular, oh, which is like a little bone in the foot. I've broken ribs. Um, I've got a boxer's knuckle, so my ligament doesn't sit on my knuckle. A uh, bit oh of everything, God. yeah. <laughs> You've been put through the ring. I guess that's like, you know, eight to ten years of, of you know, com combat fighting. I guess that's what you would call it, combat fighting. Yeah. Com combat sport. <laughs> yeah. Sport. Uh, I apologise. My, um, oh my dogs would probably bark. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Don't apologize, it's all right. We're, we're very casual here. No filter. You can say yeah, whatever you want yeah, to do. Yeah, cool. <laughs> They're very chirpy. Yeah, they're sausage dogs. Oh, that's cute. Yeah. How old are they? Well, they're my partner's dogs. So one is three and one is one. Oh, right. so they're still very playful. They, they haven't learned to be quiet while you're podcasting, I understand. <laughs> just, they're just so rude. <laughs> oh, that's all right. Yeah, I've got a few friends who have sausage dogs and that. They've been really popular. Like everyone, uh, everyone seems to have them these days. <laughs> Mm, yeah, they do. Like they're just they're out and about everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. So um, back to the fighting because that's I, I'm interested in. I said something the other day that um, you said about sh your shins, and I said I can't I can't believe like I it hurts my shins when I kick a heavy bag. I can't imagine mm -hmm. like getting um, checked. I think that's what you call it when you kick someone and then they raise their leg, like knees. Is that what you would call a check? Yeah, so it's kind of like the defending, so you're checking, yeah, yeah, checking a kick, that is. Yeah, so it kind of comes conditioned to it. So you, a lot of fighters do a lot of, like, heavy bag work, and, you know, it's in Thailand, they've got, their bags are so much more heavier, like, they're just basically made of cement, and they just, they, yeah, they just kick it, and, like, they do, like, I don't know, if, like, in the fight camp, some people do, like, three to five hundred kicks just to condition their shins. Holy shit, I think I did maybe five each leg the other week and I, I was like, I can't do this. I was like hobbling. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah. It's a good starting yeah. point, that is, though. You, you build up to it, I guess. Is, is there any truth in the, you know, you see, like, in the movies, people, like, rubbing their shins with, like, baseball oh, bats and no. stuff? Like, is that... <laughs> nah, I've actually, I've been, a, a couple of people have actually asked me that, and I didn't know, so I actually asked my coach, this is like years and years ago, and he was like, no, that's a lot of, like, that's a crock of shit, that is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I can't imagine that, like, rubbing, like, you're probably give yourself shin splints. Uh, that's would... kind of like a, yeah, just not really, you're really not doing anything. I don't really understand that either. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm glad I won't have to be rubbing a baseball bat on my shins. I just have to keep kicking the bag and, and I'll Just be keep kicking the bag. <laughs> yeah, just keep kicking the bag. I um I don't plan on doing any fights. So I'll leave that to uh, I'll leave it to the professionals. I'm I'm too scared probably of getting hurt. Oh yeah, have you done like um how long you did Muay Thai or MMA? What are you training? Well, I I've never actually done any proper training. I I just like to hit the heavy bag for cardio. Um, especially because yep. of because of COVID, the gym's closed. So I was like, oh, I need to do something. And I don't like going for runs because I get like sore hips, um, lower back. And I was like, well, I'll buy a heavy bag and gloves and that, and I'll just go crazy on that so it's actually really really good cardio yeah it is it's really good yeah you should definitely join a gym and then like be put three paces on pads that's a different kind of cardio you want to throw yeah. up and die afterwards yeah yeah I, I can't imagine that i've done like you know all the like during circuit classes for um you know just just general mm. um physical activity of like i've done the bat like bag work and then like mm -hmm. the pads with someone but not like obviously in a proper uh, you know fighting gym it's just you know, muck around pretty much. Although, I, I did do um, Taekwondo. Taekwondo, was, yeah, yeah, yeah. That was the thing back in the day. A lot of people usually start at like karate, which I don't know, I'm not really fond of karate, but they usually go karate, Taekwondo, and then go to like some sort of like bigger martial arts. Yeah, so I think um, I got to like yellow belt maybe which is like one up from white so i wasn't like anything special but it was good fun i was, I was probably like yeah six seven. yeah i think i probably did it until i was about eight years old and then i don't know gave it up played footy it was easier <laughs> classic yeah yeah footy's pretty fun too yeah actually um i think you mentioned that you you, you play footy yeah, yeah actually, so yeah. Yeah, so when COVID hit, um, I've always been into footy um, a little bit, but I've never really understood it. My family was very much so boxing, like my pop was a Golden Club boxer and I don't know, we're just a boxing family. Um, we went footy, so I never really understood it. And to be honest, I always thought it was just a, like you're chasing a ball around the field. That's what I always thought it was. I was like, oh, that doesn't, that's just boring, you know. And then I actually dated an AFLW player and then I started seeing I understand, I started understanding a little bit more about the game and their training and whatnot. And I was like, oh, this is actually a little bit interesting, like tackling and like all that sort of stuff. And I had a training session um, that I actually really, really enjoyed it. Um, and then I randomly got asked by like these local footy girls if I wanted to come have a session. Um, and this is when COVID hit. So all the promotions for boxing kind of got cancelled because of the crowds and um, the gyms being closed and that sort of stuff. Um, but I'm in regional Victoria. So the um, local footy was still going at that time. So I was like, you know, I'm going to go there and try and keep my fitness up. And I ended up really falling in love with it. It was really fun. Yeah. Oh, wow. That's a good story. It's, uh, yeah. So it's only, so you've only because of COVID this year, you actually really got into it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So COVID sort of <laughs> led me to that way. So yeah. That was really fun. That's a, that's a good thing. You've got to keep busy. I mean, COVID this year has just been like 
crazy. So it's good yeah. that you actually found another hobby that you fell in love with. Although it would, have, it would have been a bit hard for like during the like the really middle parts of the lockdown to actually train because they had a lot of restrictions around training and stuff, didn't they? Yeah, so I'm a really big like tackler and I'm just really kind of staunch. <laughs> like I'm not very petite at all. Like I will run through like anything sort of thing. Well, that's a good um, thing. <laughs> so it was kind of like the first couple, I think the first three sessions, um, I, it was contact, but then sort of coming off, it wasn't contact. And then they stopped all males and then they let women's and juniors still train, but non-contact. Um, so I kind of got to learn more of the skills side of things, but I'm pretty good with like the wrestling and tackling side of things. That's just natural I, to me. I think they'd they'd probably call you in a, in a game. You'd be called a, a sniper. So you yeah, yeah. Take, take the take the best player out on the other team. Sniper. The tagger. <laughs> so I actually the, um um I, they said that I'd be a tagger or um like basically a shark. So in the hit two sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you you would have incredible fitness because of Muay Thai, like your, your yeah. would be huge. So before I had my broken hip, I did a lot of running. I used to run every single day, um, whether it was like a short run or a big run. And I was, I'm not really like a fast, long distance runner, but I'm a really, really fast sprinter. Like okay. sprinting, like I've got really powerful legs. So I would always just clean, get the ball and I'd clean it up. Like <laughs> I'd start at like the end of the footy field, I'd kick it to somebody and I'd end up kicking the goal on the other end. So oh, that's wow. how fast I'd get down. Yeah. Bloody hell. So what, have you actually ever done um, like a, a sprinting athletics, like for high school or anything like that? Or No, no. I was actually never really into sports in high school. <laughs> sort of. Oh, really? Like, yeah, yeah. Bloody hell. How, how does that one work out? No, I don't know. <laughs> I was a bit of a shy kid, to be honest. I never, I wasn't really a big extrovert. Now I'm a massive extrovert. Like you'll see me talking to some random on the street. But yeah, yeah. Bloody I hell, actually so like sprinting. You love you love sprinting. Maybe you should you should try out if you're that if you're that bloody good. Just try the athletics then, and and maybe nah, might, be a, nah. might be a professional hundred meter sprinter for Australia. <laughs> <laughs> no, nah, I'm gonna put the footy with the football and the sprinting to use. Yeah, good yeah. good idea. But I'll, I'll keep the I sprinting know, in mind. Yes, definitely, because you, you, you may be very good yeah. at it. You may mm. you may be very good at it because you're also very very good at um, Muay Thai because you're actually had pro fights. So this you're not just sparring. There's actually pro fights that you've had. Yeah, oh, I've right. had twelve professional fights. So you, you could be an amateur and, and have fights, and then you turn pro. Do you have to get like a pro card or something like that? How does it work? Yeah. So under the Australian Boxing Board, you become a registered professional. So you then um, sort of put your registration up. Um, in Victoria, you have to be over eighteen. Um, but um, yeah. So you okay. become a registered professional, basically. Twelve professional fights. Yeah. And how many years have you been pro for? Ah, oh, the day that I turned eighteen, I put my registration in because there was a show in Geelong that asked me to come on, and that was my first ever professional fight, and that was oh, called wow. Prestige Fight Series, and that's when I fought a girl named Riani Hustler, and that's I had my first win, and it was second round knockout. Oh wow! Yeah. Gee, so like full on KO, like punch, kick, elbow. Um, it was a T. Oh, it was a TKO, oh, and like. I kind of have, my fighting style is very much so walking forward and I've got a very big right hand. So people know me to like basically just stand there and throw hands. Um, every commentator will say to make a will just throw hands at you. <laughs> um, 
Yeah. And I just, I remember going back into the first corner, like the in between the round breaks, coming back from the first round and my coach just said, she's not taking your right hand very well. So just come forward and just throw that right hand. And I did. And then I knocked her into next week and she wasn't really coherent. So they <laughs> called it a TKO. Perfect. Sounds like a good win to me. It's very <laughs> On your 18th birthday as well, it was on the day of your 18th? It wasn't on the day of my 18th. I think it was a f it was in April, so it would have had to be in a month. Oh, like, okay. Yeah, yeah. So you registered, on, you registered on your 18th birthday, and then you had your, your fight your month, the month, a month yeah. after. <laughs> yeah, because you've got to have, like, blood tests done and fitness tests done. So oh, yeah. I had to, yeah, do my registration and then get my bloods done and then get my registration done also. Okay. I mean, my um, fitness done, and that all ah! has to be in a certain time frame. Sorry, those dogs are... No, 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 that's fine. That's, are you, I mean, you're more than welcome to bring them on screen. It wouldn't be the first time I've had a dog a dog on screen for, for the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's a little turd. There he is. Oh, uh, beauty. What, wait, what, so he, what's his name? He's, he's Dexter. 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 Yeah. Cute. Yeah. With a red collar. Anyway. <laughs> yeah, he, he's done. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we'll pop him back down. All there right. Um, so you've had 12 fights, professional fights, and how many would you generally have a year? Because architects do usually have like a fight camp is what, what you would have before a fight. Like, is that something you would do? Um, yep. So depending on uh, if they've got a matchup so, and how long they give you notice, some people can start their camp at like 12 weeks, which is quite long. Um, and then kind of like 10, eight weeks sort of thing. I usually start a camp around um, eight weeks, six weeks, and then you start really dieting in that time yeah. and all that sort of stuff. So, yeah. So is, that is, the, fun. is that the major part of, of the, say, the pre-fight camp um, that you, you most of it is dieting and making weight or like are you training specifics for your opponent? So it's all, all of that. It's a bit of everything, really, depending on the weight. So I fight at 53 kilos. Um, I usually have to lose about eight kilos. <laughs> so I usually lose four kilos and then I usually cut four kilos or something around that, depending. And then depending on the opponent I'm fighting, um, they change your style to how they fight. Yeah. Um, my last fight was very tie based. I was walking forward. I was waiting a lot more when usually I would just like go full steam ahead. So yeah. Well, one thing I noticed, I'm, not, I'm no professional uh, judge by any means, um, but yeah, you were, you were walking forward like the whole the whole fight, like the the girl you were versus, she just like had to keep backing up, backing up, backing up, and you were just like on her toes the whole time. Yeah, yeah. So I love walking forward. It's just naturally what I do. Like I'm more of a, an aggressor, um, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. So, do the judges look at stuff like that? Would they? <laughs> Sorry. No, no, that's fine. Would the um, would the judges look at, at something like that? Like if you're uh, being aggressive and kind of um, I don't know if you like dominate the the middle of the ring or yeah, I guess you call it a ring. Dominate the middle of the ring. Would is that something that they judge and look at? Yeah, yeah, definitely 100% in Muay Thai. It's all about aggression um, and walking forward. It's sort of very like pick your shots also. Um, it also depends on the judge as well, really, and what sort of promotion it is. Like, I've, there's been fights where I've been on the back foot, and but I've thrown off, like I've thrown off the back foot, um, and I've won. But there's been fights where I've walked forward and um, thrown, and I've lost. So, like, it's kind of depending on the judges and the show and all that sort of stuff. 
Yeah, I think you've got a um, a pretty good record. I, I I can't remember. Like you've definitely won more fights, a lot more fights than, than you've lost. Uh, that was yeah, like, yeah. Seven, or, seven or eight wins. I think you've got. Or... Yeah, yeah. I've seven wins. Um, two two draws actually, and then the rest oh, of losses. Draws. Okay, so draw is the split decision by the judges. Um, so draw is basically when the judges, um, there's one tie between a judge, so it's not going to either way or, or in either corner. Yeah, so yeah. We both, um, we both win, basically. Is that is that in all um, martial arts sports, you can have a tie? Yeah, sure. certainly. Uh, yeah, you can. Um, I've never really watched, I mean, I've probably watched, like, the major boxing matches, you know, over the last, you know, 10 years or so. And then, like, obviously UFC's grown, like, huge. So I, I guess I've watched a fair few of that. But I'm not really heavily into any sort of uh, martial arts sports, especially Mu Muay Thai. Like, I don't think that's um, as big in the media. Is that, like, would you say? Yeah, like, so Muay Thai is not big at all. Like, yeah. like, yeah, it's just, it's more of a Thai thing. And it's not really known. Like, if I go to somebody on the street, I'm a Muay Thai fighter, they'd be like, what is that? <laughs> if, you're, if you're not really into martial arts, guarantee you. And they're like, is that like karate? So I usually just say that I'm a boxer because it's a lot easier, even though it's two different techniques. Yeah. Um, well, is Muay Thai closer to kickboxing than boxing, I would say? Because obviously you're allowed to kick in, in Muay Thai. Uh, yes, but it's still two very two different things. It's kind of like comparing <laughs> soccer and footy, if that makes sense, because oh, they're still ball really? and they're still running, <laughs> but they, everything is very different, if that makes sense. So yeah. I'm, I'm way off then. Well, I, I know I know there's no grappling in, in Muay Thai up on the ground. You can you can grapple standing up though. Yeah, so it's called clinching. So it's upright grappling. Yeah, and that's very technical, and it takes a lot of time to work out. And some people catch on to it, and some people don't. The moment that somebody's um, shoulder hits the the canvas, the ring, um, you'll notice that yeah. the ref will sort of jump in and stop the fight. Yeah, I um, I noticed uh, in the grappling from the fight I watched, there was a lot of elbows being thrown, which is just I <laughs> love elbows. Yeah, I love so, them. They're my like, favourite. Over the top, like, it wasn't like um, a crossway elbow. It was kind of like down and like that. I was like, holy shit, it's like going to split someone's head over. <laughs> Yeah, 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 definitely. If you land it in the right spot, um, it will definitely take someone's, um, like, split someone very easily. Yeah. Yeah, bloody hell. So, um, oh, you mentioned earlier um, a hip injury, um, and I know that's something that's very recent. Um, so, I don't really know too much about that, but if you want to talk about what, what actually happened and the surgery you had. Yeah, sure. I had a, um, it's called a dynamic hip screw. So, I broke my neck of femur. So a neck of femur is basically like you've got your femur, which is your thigh bone, and then you've got a little like neck that goes into your hip, and then there's like a ball, if that makes sense. And then that usually attaches into your pelvis. So it's called, it's basically your hip. It's usually an old person's injury to break. When an old person falls, they usually break their neck of femur. So think of it as like half of a hip construction, really, hip replacement. Oh, wow. um, and that happened because of all my weight cutting that I did. So weight cutting for females is very different to weight cutting for males. Like we've got hormones um, at time of the month sort of thing. And when you um, at, at such a low body weight, females actually don't get a period. Um, yeah, yeah. So that actually messes with their hormones and it starts taking from their bone. And that's what happened with me. So it started taking from my bone. And when I went over to play footy, because I did all the sprinting, um, it, it, it put too much pressure on my, um, my hips and unfortunately I had a, it's called a stress fracture. So I had a grade three compression 
stress fracture. So my hip just basically gave way. And wow. yeah. Was that painful? Like when it, like it wasn't something that just happened. There was like a gradual thing over time. You kind of got pain slowly, slowly, and then it got worse or was it a impact injury? Um, it wasn't an impact injury. So basically what happens is we have something called osteoclasts and osteoblasts. And okay. basically when we exercise, our bone breaks down. And then when we rest, our bone builds back up again. Um, and that's how you get stronger bones, really. And, but unfortunately, because I was training so much, um, I never really had that time to rebuild that, uh, rebuild that bone. So it was very much so an overuse injury. Uh, yeah, okay, overuse. So it, it would have just, over time, it would have got um, worse and worse. Was, was the pain um, really bad? Like, were you um, feeling it a lot? Or was it more like limited movement? Well, I actually didn't even know that I had, so I had, it was 12 weeks until I figured out that I had a broken oh, neck and femur, no. which was so <laughs> dangerous because if my neck and femur like fully broke, it's like, it's quite traumatic. It's like, it's, it can be life threatening at some point. It's, it's yeah. technically called a trauma emergency injury. So you'll notice when someone breaks their hip, they go into surgery the next day because um, yeah. they have to fix it. Um, mm. But I just thought I had a strained hip because I was kicking so much and doing different types of kicking. Instead of doing like roundhouses, I was kicking forward for footy. So I thought I actually just had like a strained like muscle and I left it. And it was really sore. Like I couldn't run. Oh, no. I couldn't do anything. And I just remember standing there and I felt an ache in my hip. So the pain was gradual. And then just out of nowhere, I just remember I got up one morning and it was so painful. It was so sore. And I still was like, man, <laughs> so I went to the doctors. Um, he did an ultrasound because he thought um, I had like an, a ligament injury and mm. nothing came back. So he was like, you should just go to the physio. And then I went to the physio. Um, actually, I didn't go to the physio. I was lazy. <laughs> and then I think a couple of weeks passed, so maybe two or three weeks. And I was like, I can't put up with this pain any longer. I can't run. I can't walk. I can't do anything. Um, and I'm starting to gain a little bit of weight. So, and then all the COVID was coming back off and there was like that potential talk of like footy coming back on. And I was like, mm. I want to get a hold of this. So, um, I contacted like on Facebook, I like put on, does anyone know a really good sports physio? And then my mate who's actually a physiologist was like, yeah, okay. She came in and like had a look at me and done like a, assess a full body assessment. And she was like, I really think that you should get an MRI. She's like, I don't think that's a muscle. She's uh. like, I don't think that's a ligament. She's everything that you're explaining just doesn't really sound right. It's not, yeah. So I got an MRI and then, um, yeah, it came back that I had a neck edema. So then my doctor popped in a referral to the hospital and, Basically, once I went to the hospital, the next day I was in hospital getting surgery. Bloody hell. So they treated it, once they knew what it was, they treated it very seriously and you were in surgery pretty quickly. Yep, yep. As soon as they, mm. I had two options really. I had a surgical option or I had a non-weight bearing option. So I wasn't allowed to weight bear through my hip for six months um, at all. So I would have been on crutches or in a wheelchair for six months. And that was just not possible for me. Yeah. And I'm a type A personality where I just sort of don't stop. And they were like, they even thought at one stage um, to actually to hospitalize me for three months <laughs> in a hospital. <laughs> just, to, to just to stop you from moving around. <laughs> yeah, yeah, legit. Like I just, yeah. I, so I was like, all right, let's just get surgery out of the way. And I had the dynamic hip screw and that allows me to wait there. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, that's definitely the better option if you're, um, what do you say, type A personality? 
Yeah, I'm just swinging <laughs> ahead. Hey, you don't you feel like I'm just like ADHD all the time. Yeah, I, like I, I guess I'm kind of the same. I like the term I like to use is um, all or nothing. It's like uh, yeah, exactly. You, know, you, you either go in a hundred percent and you you go as hard as you can, or like you know don't even do it at all. Like just it's either all or nothing. <laughs> so, yeah, 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 legit, legit. I'm probably susceptible to um you know injuries as well because of that. I just I'll just ignore it like oh it's fine it's fine and then all of a sudden you go and see someone and they're like I think there's a problem here you know and then yeah, yeah. before you know it you you've got a serious injury yeah I um I've got a my, my worst one I've got is probably my um slip disc or uh, I got a L four five um herniated disc and Ooh, that was yeah. that was bloody painful have you you've never experienced that have you yeah, I actually have. Yeah, I um, herniated my L four or L three, sorry, and oh, I was that was in one of my strength and conditioning. I had was squatting one hundred and twenty kilos, and as I squatted, um, my back gave way on me. That's a yeah. bloody <laughs> heavy weight. <laughs> How many reps did you do with that? Um, that was probably about three reps, I reckon. I can't really remember. That was quite a while ago. Yeah. See, look, the, the agrees. Denver. But, uh, 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 Dexter. Dexter, Dexter, yeah. my bad. So yeah. Dexter, Dexter agrees. Dexter agrees. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Three reps of 120, that's pretty damn good. And when was that? When did you do that? Um, that was a part of one of my strength and conditioning fight camps for Warriors Way. I think maybe my second Warriors Way, maybe. Yeah, so that was quite a while ago, maybe two or three years ago. But I'm very leg based, yeah. like very, very leg based. But I mean, yeah. when I, like, I get. Stocky legs, <laughs> yeah. Stocky well, legs. I, I wish, I wish I would. My, my legs just don't grow. I'm, I'm very into gym. I, I don't know if you've seen that. I, I have posted um, some stuff. Probably not recently because gyms have been closed for so long. But um, I know like what 120 kilos feels like on your back. Uh, and I mean, uh, that was heavy for me at a certain point. I probably I've moved up now. Like 150 is about like yeah, that's pretty heavy. I think 162 is my best. But, is that for um, like your my run? Just don't grow. <laughs> really? Uh, my one rep max is like one sixty-two point five. Yeah, nice. Um, and I think my like my best like for reps, I, I think I've done one fifty four. When I say reps, it's only like four. I think I've one four reps of one fifty. Um, and like one forty used to be my one rep max, but like I think my best is eight reps for that. Um, this was all. Pre-COVID, I'm weak now. I, I squatted like 130 the other day. Oh, 130 is still like, really good. Shit, this actually, well, it's still good. I think I did like five reps. Obviously, I didn't want to push it, but point is, my legs just don't grow. It's it's so hard. People are like, oh, you got chicken legs, don't you train legs? I'm like, no, no, no I train legs pretty hard. Yeah, I don't know. Some males just have those really shit genetics. Hey? Yeah, they got like little chicken legs. Yeah. Like uh, you see the guys with really tiny calves and really big like quads. Yeah, that's just genetics. Well, that's kind of me, but I always say, like, you got to be born with cars. Like, it's so, like, I train my cars. Like, no matter how much I train, they just don't grow. So, people say eat more food, but if I eat more food, I'm just going to get eat fat. Eat more food, so. yeah. They're like, you know, when you're little, your mum's like, eat more food so you're big and strong. Oh, <laughs> uh, don't even get me started with that. I'm Italian. Well, actually, you're Italian as well, I, I found out. Yeah. So, we, both, we probably both know uh, about getting force-fed by, uh, by your mums. Oh, it's my dad that's um, Italian, but, you know, um, even though my mum's Australian, okay. she's she's got a big appetite. <laughs> yeah, I just, 
so much food involved when, when I was younger and I was yeah. just round and they're like, oh, it's good. You used to love it. Adam, when you were younger, eat all this food. And I was like, yeah, but mom, you made me fat. <laughs> yeah, I remember going to my mother's house and she'd always have like a big like bowl of pasta and it was just mm. pasta was the go-to for my nana. I don't know why, but it was. <laughs> she used to make it all from scratch. Yeah, uh, we. I mean, we we love uh, pasta, homemade pasta. I think um, me and Luke, my brother, so Luke, on on um, on our first episode, we talk about homemade pasta and food, yeah, uh, yeah, all that recipes. Because um, my brother's. I don't know if you've seen. I've actually posted about it. He's got his own like cooking show. Uh, non Luke, shame, shameless plug there for non Luke. That's his. That's his like cooking show. He does like comedy and cooking. So. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's like out. Nat does food or something like that. Yeah, as well. yeah. Like that. Well, yeah. That, that's real funny. Like, oh, some of the videos he was posting um, at the start of COVID. Holy shit, I was dying. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's, he's funny. I've had a few people tell me that I look like him when I have my hair down. It's kind of like really? why I don't wear my hair. Yeah, yeah. Because sometimes I get like a real round, chubby face, and they're like, "Oh, you look like I, Nat does food." I guess you both got like he's got neck tattoos too, doesn't he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I guess that, that probably adds to it as well. I'm like, I just don't know if that's a compliment. <laughs> well, I, I guess yeah. so. Take it as you want. People are probably not saying it in a, in a bad way, but, you know, who knows? Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's right. Yeah. Uh, um, so we'll, uh, we'll just, we'll circle back because we, we went off on a tangent there. Um, I want to talk about the, the hip. So you've, you've had the surgery mm -hmm. now and you've, how long are you post-surgery now? Like what, a month, five weeks, six weeks? Five, yeah, five weeks. Exactly. Five weeks. Today, because I had uh, five weeks oh. today. Yeah. So, how much longer of rehabilitation have you got until you can kind of really get back into full swing of training? Uh, I'm not too sure. I'm still quite in a little bit of pain with my oh, leg. Yeah. I'm actually yeah. So I don't know if they've hit like a nerve or something like that, but I get quite a bit of pain that runs from my knee down. Um, but usually it takes from the six week mark. Um, even though that I've got the dynamic hip screw in, I still have to wait for a calcius to build up around the fracture. Um, and that will load, allow me to load on it. So I will be able to do like skipping and running and a lot of like plyo stuff. Okay. So I've really got to wait from that six to eight week mark. So a few more weeks and yeah, okay. like that. But I'm starting to, I'm doing See, like a lot of strength work. Um, it's crazy because like I said before, I used to be able to squat like, you know, 120, 30 kilos and deadlifting. I could deadlift for days. Like, <laughs> Um, oh, I'm really, <laughs> yeah, I'm so strong with deadlifts. I think I can get to 140, um, for my one That's pretty you know, good. max. Um, but it's, I can't, I can't even squat my own body weight at the moment without being in pain. So it's really funny that, you know, yeah. you appreciate what you've got until it's gone sort of thing. Oh, hundred percent, hundred percent. And I guess, um, fighting as well for you is obviously been a big part of your life. So you'd be very, very keen to, to get back into that. But like you said, you've probably got to wait until the six to eight weeks before you can test the waters. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I was wanting to even go back to the gym to do some like pads and stuff, but still it's really risky twisting and turning on my hip. Um, so I've really got to just wait. Otherwise I yeah. kind of like will screw myself down the long run. Yeah, well, was there, did you put up videos not long ago of you hitting the pads, just like one, one, two combinations? Yep, I made my housemate hold pads for me, and I was hitting around. <laughs> I was so, like, um, bored. Like, I was in the house doing nothing. I wasn't working, and I wasn't studying or anything like that. And so it's just nice to move around. Everything yeah. can come overwhelming at, like, points in time. And, yeah, I made him hold pads for me, which was good. But I was quite sore afterwards, actually. I can imagine. Mm, yeah, <laughs> but, yeah. 
I, I guess, yeah, that's a little bit uh, more fun to do than the basic uh, rehabilitation strength exercise. I think you posted a few of them. Um, have you got like a full on proper um, a schedule for that, that your doctor's given you or? Uh, so my physio um, has put together a little plan for me um, and I kind of do that three or four times a day. I don't really do it three or four times a day. I sort of like do a really big kit and um, it's really hard actually because they say it's quite hard to do it with me because what I have is a old person's injury. So their rehabilitation that they know of and what research and science has been based is around older people, which is literally your basic like squat to chair up. But like a lot of people don't even start walking from crutches and from six weeks from surgery. And I was walking without crutches from a week. So I have quite a high baseline and they are trying to still work out where my baseline is, what we can do. So at the moment, it's a lot of, um, I guess just touch touch and go with what I can do. Yeah, I'm assuming there's a, a risk of um, if you go too hard too soon, it may actually cause damage and re, re injury or. Um, on the bone, if I load it, yes. Um, if I'm doing like running or just being silly, um, that can cause a lot of damage. But if I'm like just, I guess, taking it easy and doing what I can in like a control setting, um, I'm still doing baits. I'm like squatting. I'm adding weight yeah. on gradually. Um, if anything, my range of motion is quite limited. I can only get to like a certain point off the ground yeah. before I can stop. Um, my hip will yeah. start to like pull in and then my quad will sort of actually just give way on me and I'll fall. So, yeah. Right, so while, while you've been doing all of this um, uh, post-surgery, have, have you actually been doing, I, I'm just reading it now because I want to get it right. Kondamuka Cup. You told me you're an ambassador. So is that something that you do uh, as a as a full time thing? Like, is that does that keep you busy like during the week or? Um, it's actually not anything. Like, it's not a full time job or anything like that. It's basically just an ambassador. So I've been an ambassador for about over twelve months, and that basically just involves me wearing a lot of their gear. And when I go to fight shows, um, when I train, I post videos of Quantum Ricky Cup um, and basically just bringing awareness to like mental health and suicide prevention, really. Um, sometimes uh, every, I think it's every two years, they actually put on a massive show. Um, the kind of um, owner of Quantum Ricky Cup, she puts on a massive show and she don't, um, uh, they get all this money and then they donate it to, uh, I think it's like Lifeline and Beyond Blue and all that sort of stuff okay. um, for research and whatnot. Um, yeah, I was pretty interested in it, so I I, um, I looked it up uh, myself because I've never actually heard of it. It's a it's a very um, a fighter uh, specific thing to know about, I guess, because it, it's a, it's a, not specific to um, fighting. I guess I, I read the uh, you know the about us. I think it was on the in, uh, on the website, and they, they want to spread it out um, across uh, you know other other sectors. But it's very heavily like uh, you know uh, fighting base at the moment. Um, yeah, because a lot of fighters suffer from mental illness. That's the whole point. Yeah. Like a lot of fighters actually fight for um, is for them. Um, so I guess, and a lot of fighters actually kill themselves. It's very known in the Muay Thai community that really, you know, yeah. So there's been a few suicide deaths, unfortunately, um, and it's yeah. A lot of fighters just suffer from mental illnesses like depression and anxiety. And the lady Sandy who started Kondimika Cup, she had two fighters that originally killed them. 
killed themselves and she just wanted to really stop it before another suicide happened so she works quite a bit and every cent that she earns she puts it into quantum book cup so everything like starting a gym the organizations the clothes that she gives to the ambassadors so there's a few ambassadors each state and she sort of just picks who is the ambassador and yeah she will buy the shorts and the t-shirts and print them out and basically give it to us and we just spread the awareness really mm. Okay, so I didn't, um, I didn't realize. Obviously, I'm not in in that scene, but it seems sounds like it's it's quite prevalent, and that's why this organization actually exists. Um, like I said, uh, unfortunately, there was um, a, a few people uh, that that you know took their own lives. So that's where this organization kind of got born from. It's been around for a, a while now, if I'm if, if I read correctly. Um, I actually, to be honest, I'm really not sure when it did start. Five, um, five or so years, I think. If, if yeah, so correctly. it really started hitting off, I guess. Yeah, it really started hitting off maybe two years ago. Like their last um, their last show they did, I think they raised about $30,000. Mm. And they donated that to charity, which was two years ago. Yeah. Okay. Um, Luke could probably bring up the, the website. If he's if he's there and googling the Kondamuka Cup is what it's called. Um, if you're not watching this on YouTube, you can Google it yourself. Um, but yeah, I think they raised they've raised like over thirty five thousand or something in the in the few shows that they've actually done, uh, like promotional shows. So yeah, I guess it's a it's it's a bloody good thing that they're doing. Yep, yep. Sandy is a really hard worker with it. Well, there's me on the left. Oh, you're actually there. Oh, there you go. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> there we go. Um, so you've got like Eddie and Sawyer. Um, so that's, I think his name is Charlie Bub, and he's a Queensland fighter. I could be wrong. <laughs> that's a bit awkward if I am. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, that's, that's fine. That's fine. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So you've got a really few involved fighters there. You've got Nugget um, and Toby Smith right there. They're oh, right, really, okay. really big in the fighting community. So that's Nugget, and then on the left is Toby Smith. The yeah, he's one of the he's a world champion. World champion. Yeah. Oh, so, and so fighting out of Australia, a world, a world champion Muay Thai fighter. Yeah. So he wow. uh, his yeah his dad kind of brought him up in Muay Thai. Oh, okay, that's great. Yeah. So I I read through um uh, all of this, and yeah, it's a it it started from and it says it on there. It started from obviously a, a tragic story. Um, and then, you know, just kind of built traction from there and, and you know, it, it turns, turned into a, a really great thing. So, yeah, so you're an ambassador um, and the organisation uh, deals with um, mental health support and suicide prevention. Is that the right term? Yeah, yeah, basically. So at the moment, Sandy is in the process of actually building a gym on, I think it's called Strati Island in Queensland. And it's basically a free gym that people can go to um, and they can access whether they're feeling low and that they can give support there. Sandy is really good with all that sort of stuff. Oh, wow. um, and she can train them. Um, it's just a really good outlet. Some gyms are quite expensive to go to. Um, some people don't have the privilege um, to, to do that. And boxing is, is great for like self-discipline and um socializing it's got very like lots of variables to how it can help you so sandy's yeah. sort of putting that into theory and practice okay yeah well i mean i'm not for i don't, I don't fight but going to the gym um and really having like a i guess it's sort of like a second 
family and a community, like a place where you go every day um, and you have your own group of friends, friends there. I guess that's um, what a, a fighting gym is. So to actually have them set up for free where people can go and get support, that, that's an amazing thing for, you know, for anyone to do. I think. Yeah, a, a bond between like a fighter and a trainer is like irreplaceable. Uh, my like first coach that I had, uh, Andrew, the bond between him and I were like, it was unbreakable. Like it was just insane. Like he, you, you invest into them and they invest into you and you you just, there's a big trust there and there's a massive bond and it's just awesome. And I guess the people that you're around as well, like the boys at the gym, um, you just tell them stuff and they start to look after you and, you know, some people can see them as a big brother sort of thing. I saw my um, my team as like big brothers and every time I needed something, I'd always just go to them. Like we'd always go out and we'd always go out for like breakfast and dinner and end of gym breakups. And they were just somebody that you can really count on. You know, if you feel alone, they're sort of the go-to as well. Like I still talk to all the boys from the gym, even though they're yeah. not part of a different gym, like fight crew now. Yeah, it kind of creates a, a family, you know, it's like you'd say a friendship, but it's more like it's a real, it's a real powerful bond, especially when you have mutual interest in such a, I guess, a powerful sport like, like that, you know, it brings people together and yeah, I, I think it's great. I can relate to it through, through the gym, um, just going to the gym, I, I guess it's the same thing, but that, yeah, that's yeah. anything, um, anything, like even music, I don't know if you're into music, but um. Uh, I have, I listen to a lot of music music gets me through a lot of things. And when I want to zone out from the world, I listen to, um, I listen to it. So, um, I wouldn't go to like a music level. I don't even know what it's called. Like what? a studio. I'm not really sure. What, what, yeah. what music do you listen to though? I'm a little bit of everything really. I, yeah. I like Aussie pop, Aussie rap. All right. So yeah, I, I'm not really Blue like Sineso? A... Is that Aussie rap? Pardon? Blue Sorry, my Siri just went off and I could not hear a word you just said. Is is Bliss and Esso uh, Aussie rap? Yeah, yeah, a little bit of Bliss and Esso. I actually don't mind them. Yeah, I like um, Whit Laurie. He's probably one of my favourite ones. Okay. Yeah, he's gotten me through some pretty, um, I wouldn't say dark times, but some pretty questionable times in my life. So, Music yeah. is very, very powerful. It is. Um, yeah, definitely. I, I listen to. I've listened, been listening to music for a very long time, and um, it gets you. Like when you're in the gym or when you're doing some sort of sport or you're going to go for a run like you, and, a, and you're one of your favorite songs come on, you're kind of like yeah. next next level up and it's just like a second gear. And it is like sometimes, mm, yeah, I like to visualize things when I like listen to music and then when like a bass comes on or something like that and mm. it really like sets the tone and then you can like sort of, like in a fight camp, I like to do a lot of visualization. So if a, the right song comes on, I can visualize me you know, unloading like a 12, 12 um, hand combo on somebody in the corner. 12, so, yeah. 12 hand combo, bloody hell. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But yeah, it definitely does get you going. And, you know, and, and on the other side of things, like, um, you know, like you said, it get, it'll get you through at times like where you're feeling down or sad or, or, or unhappy or you need a mood pick up. Like music, you just put it on and you zone out. And like, I, I like to think of it myself as a meditation type thing because meditation is not always just sitting cross-legged on the floor. Like, you know, if you're sitting in your room and you put music 
think on when you're relaxing, you know, laying down, you're getting in the zone, like it's a form of meditation, you know, you're, you're getting in the zone. Yeah, absolutely. I agree with that. I like to, I can't really concentrate. A lot of people say that I don't really know like the technical textbook style term for meditating. I don't really meditate, but like they say that calm music really, <laughs> I can't listen to calm music. Oh, no, My just... mind goes 3000 miles per hour. I can't do that. <laughs> so I chuck on some music. So. Mm-hmm. Oh, look, Park, Parkway Drive, if I, if I get it right there. I did see that. My housemate is a massive fan of Parkway Drive. Oh, yeah. yeah. See, so Parkway Drive, I love them. Um, and, and all like that, that type of you know, heavy metal. So there's definitely not calm music. So it gets me angry. And, it's the and lyrics. <laughs> it's the lyrics, yeah. It's what they say in the music. Like some people yeah. don't like Aussie rap because they think it's just like, I don't know, I feel like people like Cursor and 360 have given a really bad like, <laughs> name because they speak a lot about drugs and, I don't know, sex and girls and stuff like that. But like if you listen to the right artists, they, they say some pretty good stuff and like if you connect to that song, it can change your life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, 100% and especially in the the heavy metal music scene, um, like some of the music is very political, politically driven, uh, very emotional. Uh, a lot of people in the music industry for like specific, specifically heavy metal, um, they will, you know, really write personal like stories into the songs. And some of them are, you know, you know, to do with mental health and struggle and sadness and stuff. So it's very powerful. A lot of people just say, oh, I don't, you know, I don't like that music because they just scream. It's like, well, the whole point is like they're trying to get across, like they're angry about something, about you know, the world. <laughs> so Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's exactly the same as rap music. I don't know. It's, just, it's not like your typical like Eminem sort of like music. It's, yeah, I highly recommend Whit Laurie if you, if you like a little bit of, you know, the Presso Sesho. <laughs> uh, no, I've, I've, never, I've never heard of um, Whit Laurie, but um, yeah. okay. if you send me a link, I'll listen to it because I always, I always like new music. Yeah, all right. Is that a Aussie artist? Australian. He artist is, yeah, or... yeah, yeah. He's an Australian artist. Yep, I'm pretty yeah. sure he's from like South Australia or something. <laughs> Once again, I could be wrong. Yeah, I'm not. <laughs> I don't right. really get too much of the biography from him. <laughs> yeah. No, no, that's fine. That's fine. So yeah, mu- music's an extremely powerful thing. But a- another thing that you mentioned, um, you actually do journaling. So yeah, I love journaling. Yeah. Tell me about that. Uh, I am so awkward when I talk about my emotions. Like I, it's just really awkward for me to talk to somebody unless you're like my really close mate. I I always like try and promote and influence people talking to people, but for me personally, I can't do it. Um, it's very awkward, and I don't know how to sometimes get my emotions out in the right way. So for me to do it, I journal. Like I can say whatever I want in my journal, um, and I know it's just for my eyes. Like it doesn't even have to make sense. And then sometimes, like you know, I like to write my goals down. Um, a lot of times, like I think we as people don't really process a lot of our anxiety, and, and it leaves us anxious, like in during the day. So sometimes in the morning, I like to write down what worries me. And that gives me time to process my thoughts so I don't have to worry about them during the day. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I don't necessarily um, journal because when you first said that, that you're really into journaling and I thought, oh, I, I don't really journal, you know, so I can't really relate. But when you put it in, in terms of, you know, just writing down your goals or, or um, you know, what you're stressing about, 
I guess I do do that every day. Um, not in the form of a journal. I mean, like I don't have a, a book, but I'll, I'll write down that stuff all, all the time. Mm. I think it's it's really powerful when you put the pen to paper and you're actually um, seeing you know written words. It has a, a more of a meaning than just your thoughts running through your mind because thoughts come in and out all the time. But when it's on paper, it's real. Like it's there. Yeah, definitely. It has a different effect. It's like when people are trying to like watch what they eat, like. Sometimes during the day they write down what they what they eat and they have it for a week and they look at it and it's there, like they've actually seen it and it's like, oh, well, shit, I should probably stop eating the chocolate a day sort of thing. <laughs> it has a different effect. Um, it's the same with your emotions. Like I really shouldn't be stressing about that because it's such a little thing. You know, I can get that done in two minutes. It really helps you process your, your thoughts a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. Is that something you... Um, implemented yourself or did, did you get um, recommended to do it by by a friend or someone or I um, I'm, I listen to motivational speakers um, and I got that from that because as I mentioned before like just speaking to people I just get so awkward and I was a little <laughs> turd growing up and I guess I just needed a little bit more of mentoring so one of my, my coach my head coach Andrew said you need to listen to this and i did and at first i was like what the fuck is this <laughs> like sorry can you, can you remember who it was no you can swear if you want don't worry oh like it's a bit of mixture it's like there's les brown there's um tom bailey there's like eric thompson um mm -hmm. all that sort of stuff so i listened to like um there's zig ziglar it depends on like what you want from that person because each speaker like brings something else like it to the table like for instance like les brown really speaks about something else when eric tom like thomas he yells at you basically yeah, you know, yeah to get yeah. your shit done so it really depends on what you look for in a speaker really but zig ziglar was the one who taught me well mentioned and gave the advice to um write things down and the same as uh, um what's his name he's a really big guy like oh shit i forgot his name mm. he's like seven foot he's like massive like oh um is he is he like a, a professional motivational speaker um wears suits and stuff like a really really famous guy yeah yeah let me let me give that um, and i'll and i'll be able to hey luke, luke, luke might know um i think um, i know i think i know who you're talking about he's like super famous but the, his name just escapes me i i love motivational tony robbins as well. yes that's exactly what i was thinking about tony robbins yeah okay. yeah <laughs> he's really big on journaling as well <laughs> yeah um, so you're into motivational speakers as well, just, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I probably got into it more um, through, like, gym. Um, yeah. And obviously there's a lot of motivational videos and, mo and motivational content online. Um, and when you start delving down that path, you kind of lead you then into, um, you know, the world of motivational speaking. And then generally that leads to the mo motivational speaking for uh you know business as well which they, they cross over a lot and because i i work as an architect um that professional uh motivational speakers in terms of like your career as well is a big thing so i kind of flipped between both um but i started uh with the gym uh motivational speaking and i can't, you you'll probably know this guy um he, they, he he's saying he's like it's still your motherfucking set <laughs> I can't remember Probably. exactly. He had um, he's had a crazy, he's got a, a crazy story of like um, a heart transplant, um, and he's he's like completely 
kind of transform his, his view on life. I can't remember the guy's name though. Luke, just go- Google that. Like it's still your motherfucking set. <laughs> There's another one that's really good. Yeah. You'll probably like this one. If you like something, I reckon he's pretty similar. His name is called Inky Johnson. Yeah, okay. he he was a really big like uh, college footy player or something like that. And he had a freak accident and then he lost his arm and whatnot. And he his outlook on life just completely changed. Yeah. And now he's like, he's a motivational speaker. I, I believe the man you're looking for, Adam, is C.T. Fletcher. C.T. Fletcher. Do you, you oh, don't okay. know who C.T. Fletcher is, Tamika? I don't think I've actually heard of him. Maybe if I listen to him speak, I might know, but yeah. Oh, yeah. See if you can just bring up an image of him, Luke. He's, a, um, he's an older guy now, um, but he's like in your face screaming. So like, you know, like you said, uh, Eric Tom- Thomas, he like is in your face yeah. screaming. This oh, okay. guy is like in your face screaming. So it doesn't look like he that look, He looks mean. <laughs> he looks yeah, mean. He, he, so yeah. they're um, older, older videos, uh, photos of him from when he yeah. was younger. He, he's a lot older now. Um, I, I I love when people yell at me, like in the corner, I'm like, oh. I tell my coach to yell at me because it kind of amps me up a little yeah. bit. So I think this is him now, uh, Adam. Yeah, that's that's pretty much him now. Well, it's still kind of an old, older photo. But yeah, I love, like when people yell at you, sorry to cut you off there to me, but yeah, when people yell and get in your face, like it really rolls you up. And uh, that's why when you're fighting, you probably want someone in your corner to really like, you know, get, yeah. get into your sucking yeah. to you. <laughs> Personally, I love it. Some people don't like it, but personally, it gets me going. Yeah, I think it gets you going. Like from my years of playing football, like you know, if you've got a coach speaking monotone and not really saying much, trying to get everyone in, but if you've got a like someone really, you know, yeah, yeah. stuck into you. And I remember one year, one of my coaches, he um. So the previous year we had lost the grand final, so yeah. and everyone got a, run, a runners-up medal. And um, we were going in to play the grand final again the next year because we made it. And he brought the runners-up medal and was like, the pre-game speech was like, he was spitting as he was yelling and he's like, see this shit here? He's like, we don't want this again. He's fucking throws it against the wall. And he's like, bang stuff. And I was like, it's fucking great. <laughs> it's very inspirational when someone just goes off their um, nut, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So that that guy, CT Fletcher, you, you should look him up. Um, one, he's got plenty of motivational um, videos. He like he gets stuck into people, but um, his story is amazing as well. Yeah, Go yeah. Real, um, like changed his life, like you were saying before with that with the other guy that you um, were talking about. Yeah, definitely. It takes one thing in your life and you have a different perspective. Some people get it later sooner than others and some people get it later than others. Yeah. yeah. Have you ever heard of David Goggins? Yeah, David, I love David Goggins. Yeah, he's yeah. a bit of a freak, actually. He <laughs> just finished another, it's called an MOB. It's like a really MOB. big, massive run and he literally just he just doesn't stop like he he posted a picture of his feet and his feet is disgusting <laughs> like, like oh. it's so just it's so disgusting yeah but no he's good he's um very much so he was a navy seal and he was overweight and he basically had a mm-hmm. pivotal turning moment in his life and now he's some sort of freak that just yeah doesn't stop in a good way, freak in yeah. a good way. I say that in good context, not a bad way. Oh, 100%. If anyone knows um, David Goggins, they know he's a freak. Um, and if you don't know who he is, uh, mm. you know, <clears throat> definitely definitely look him up because he's, like you said, he just doesn't stop. And obviously, you know his story, you know, being a, a, a SEAL and a Navy SEAL and just kind of like transforming himself from, as he explains himself, like, being being uh, uh, over, extremely overweight, you know, not don't 
no direction in life to just flipping it around and becoming like one of the most insane kind of long distance mm, yes. runners. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He always talks about giving that extra 100%. Like when he was a Navy, a Navy SEAL, he thought that he was giving life 100%, but little did he know that he wasn't. And he, yeah, now he's giving 100%, but he really has some good advice. <laughs> you know, that gets you going as well. Oh, yeah. Well, when he when he starts talking about, you know, he, he explains he was running this, I, I don't know exactly what, what type of race it was, but he had to run like a stupid amount of miles, like a hundred miles or something. And mm. he had like 30 miles to go. The point of the story is he had like 30 miles to go. And he, he was just like defeated and he was, um, swollen feet and it was, it felt like he was going to pass out. He said, um, he was like essentially pissing blood. Um, and his body was like going to shut down. He, like the doctor was like, you, like, you could die if you continue. And, and he just kind of said to himself in his own mind, like, like no. And like he said, like he just ran the next thing. He just kept running and, and stopping and running and stopping. And like, apparently he got rushed into the hospital at the end of it. And was like on the brink of death. Like who does that to himself? Yeah. Yeah, he does. He is insane. He is an absolute freak of nature. I don't know how he does it, um, but he definitely continues to do it. I was listening to one of his podcasts um, and he was talking about, I don't know, it was like raining. He went to some like country and it was raining so he couldn't run, but like he went to the gym to see if there was a treadmill down there and there wasn't, but there was like this like elliptical sort of like trainer or something like that. He got on it and he was like, I fucking hate this. He was like, I fucking hate this. And the moment that he allowed himself to say, I hate this, he then made himself sit there, sit there for two hours and do it for two hours mm -hmm. just to train himself to stop being a sook, really. Yeah, it's just like the like, um, training your mind, like eye and mind. He, um, he, he has this like thing he was explaining where if he catches himself, like, you know, sometimes you realize, you don't realize you've got like negative thoughts. Yeah, and yeah, then he says, yeah, and then like he says, like sometimes he catches himself with their negative thoughts, and, he'll, and then he'll be like talking back to himself, like, "Oh, you fucking bitch, don't you dare think like that." And it's like he's like having a conversation with himself about like, "Don't think like it's that." It can't be negative. Yeah, it's um, it, like you said, it's inspiring. It, it's he's definitely a, mo a motivational speaker, not so much like a professional motivational speaker. It's just like his actions and and he says. Like he does what he what he what he says, what he preaches, you know. So Yeah, definitely a hundred percent. Oh, it, it lends itself to physical activities and being a, a, a sports person and yeah, but outside of sports, um and in your free time, I know you mentioned that you like the outdoors and and camping and hiking and stuff like that, which I guess is still kind of a sport if you're, or, or you know, recreational activity for, for, for hiking. But is that something you do often or? Whenever I can. At the moment, I can't with my hip, but I used to do it all mm -hmm. the time. Like the moment that I wake up, I'd always be out. On my day off, I'd always be kind of finding new hiking trails, um, any camping spots, anything like that. Um, I love it. I'm definitely not a waste your day sort of person. I'm not really a homebody. I love being outdoors. Like I would sleep literally in the gutter <laughs> if, I, if I could, <laughs> if, it was, if it was humane to do so. But no, I, I love it. I just love being outdoors. It's really, it's really good. Yeah, I, I, I'm the same. Like I love, I hate staying inside. I love getting out and, 
and going camping. I guess I I do camping, fishing. Uh, you know, we did motorbike riding for, for yep. a long time. Have you, have you are you into motorbikes? Yeah, definitely. I've got my road bike license, and I grew up on dirt bikes. Oh yeah. Okay. So how like when was your first dirt bike then? Because that's always a, a crazy topic. Some kids are riding around like three years old on dirt bikes. <laughs> Yeah, we had our first step back would have had to be in like a Peewee 50, and that was probably when the moment that we could walk really. <laughs> so yeah. <there> you go. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, my brother, my little brother is more probably into motorbikes than I am. I'm more into like horses and all that sort of stuff. I love yeah. horses. Um, I'm probably more into road bikes than dirt bikes. Um, whereas my little brother, like at the age of like, no, I shit you not, at the age of 10 years old, he was on a 250 doing monos down the road. Like he, wow. he's insane. He's just got a natural gift at it. Yeah, yeah, bloody hell. I, I've never, I don't actually have, um, my, we've, we've had motorbikes for a while now, so I don't actually have my um, road license. So I've never, I've never rode a uh, motorbike, a road bike or a, a motorbike on the road. Everything that I've done is always, um, I think you call it endurance, uh, endurance riding. So, you know, riding up and down mountains and, you know, off the beaten track, I guess. Not so much motocross, like doing tricks, but when we would go camping, we'd just take the bikes with us and we'd just go riding and... Yep, tree riding. Yeah, that's... Quite that's a dangerous that's thing. Fun. Yeah, definitely. You know, you're ripping shreds through the, through the paddock, yeah. Did, did you ever, um, did you ever fall, fall off the bike or...? My road bike, yes. Oh, yeah, there was oh. one time I actually came off um, my dirt bike. I took a corner too fast and I hit the back brake and the back brake, the back tyre slid out and then I slammed, smashed my head into the ground and... I didn't have my helmet like oh. up properly. Like I just sort of just left it. So as I hit the ground, my helmet came off and I took half my jaw and um, oh, wow. neck out. I think I was about 12 years old when that happened. Yeah, that was my very <laughs> first accident. Yeah. You need to be wrapped in, in, in cotton wool. You've had a lot of injuries. Yeah, I've had a, yeah. And that, my road bike accident was pretty similar to that actually. Oh, yeah. 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 I, um, I've never actually had a serious, I mean, I, I don't think I've really had any serious injuries. I, I did have a, like a pretty bad fall. I was lucky to escape. Um, so the endurance riding we would do would be up and down mountains. Mm. Um, and I, I went down this big gully, I guess, into the bottom of the, of the, mount, of the mountain. And then we come, we we're coming back up. And I was probably about 12 years old and I was gone crazy you know this young kid on this motorbike and i hit like rocks towards the top and i that's scary i kind of like um hit a big rock and it spun me around and then i was going mm. back down the hill and because i was young i didn't really know what to do so i'm going down this hill and i was i'll go down and come back up but my wheel got jammed in like a rut and the whole oh, yeah. bike just front flipped <laughs> so I did like this big front flip. The bike comes over the top, rolling, boom, down, down this hill. My dad and his friends come, and I kind of like got up, and I was like, "Is everything all right?" They rushed over to me. Had like scratches and that on my um, back of my helmet, and my back. And you look at the bike, and the front wheel where it had been wedged was like bent. It was like, <laughs> it was like oh, that. you done a good job on it, yeah? Didn't you? He did a good oh, job, yeah. The the, uh, the handlebars were bent. I snapped the clutch lever. The front forks were bent. So it yeah. can be very dangerous. 
it can be yeah my to be to go dark with it my friend uh, actually passed away from a motorbike oh, accident wow. in a dirt bike up in ireland he got stuck and he hit a tree so it can be quite dangerous but at the same time it can be really fun i mean <laughs> the positive side of it yeah just you just gotta be you just gotta be careful i mean part part of um motorbike riding um maybe not so much you know road bikes but definitely off-road road road bike uh, off-road uh, motorbike it's like uh, there's, a, there's a sense of like um, adrenaline that you get that, okay, this is dangerous. Like I could seriously hurt myself. And obviously, you know, some people ha have died doing it. So I, I, it's, it's kind of like an extreme sport. You know what I'm saying? There, yeah, there's yeah. an adrenaline you get with it that it's like, you know, Ooh, I almost hit that tree back then. Like if I hit that tree, it would be oh, serious. Yeah. <laughs> That's the same as on a road bike. That's when I moved to Melbourne, I got a road bike, um, but my mom really let me get a 300. I really wanted a 600, but she was like, you will just take yourself out. And but the moment that like you go down a highway and like you just do something and it's just like, yeah, that's just a thrill. Like you'll never put anyone else's life at danger, but definitely you do one thing and you want a little bit more of that adrenaline so it's yeah, super fun 100 i uh, i don't imagine there's much adrenaline in horse riding though you're, you're into that i know it can be yeah, yeah yeah it can be yeah definitely 100 percent. when you're going really fast and you nearly come off or when a, a horse sort of shies away and you've got to hold on for life that can be quite of adrenaline rush wow and so you're, talking, all, you're talking like riding's quite endurance as well yeah 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 so horse riding wow. can be very endurance. Like there's massive endurance rides and stuff like that. Um, I was actually supposed to do before COVID hit, like last year, um, called a tetrathlon. So it's kind of like a okay. triathlon, but it's got horse jumping in it as well. Um, so yeah, it can be sure. quite of an adrenaline rush. It depends if you're more into like tree riding, trail riding, hmm. dressage, all that sort of stuff. Okay, I was just imagining, um, you know, just riding around like on, on trails. Like instead of going for a walk on a trail, you just ride the horse on the trail. But you're talking about some more serious stuff there. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm, at the moment, probably more just trail riding for me, but it can be fun. Yeah. Yeah. So you were going, so what was that event thing you, you just mentioned? So I'll start with tea. A tetrathlon, yeah. Tet tetrathlon, right. Yeah, I, yeah. Never, so it's I've basically like a. <laughs> I never heard of it either until my mate was like, you want to do it? And I'm like, yeah, why not? <laughs> so I think it's just basically like a rural thing down here in Geelong that um, like the dressage club sort of made up. So yeah, it's not really a big thing, but yeah. Okay. Oh, interesting. Well, it's definitely um, something above and beyond just, you know, riding a horse on, on a trail. <laughs> yep, certainly is. It's very fun. Are you into any other extreme sports, you know, so... I love things that just basically put my life in danger. <laughs> like, so anything that puts my life in danger, I'll do it. <laughs> yeah. I love skydiving, um, bungee have jumping. Done, have you done skydiving? Yeah, I've been skydiving. Wow. Yeah. Tell yeah. me what that was like, because I've never done it, like, exhilarating. <laughs> I think the only time I really shit myself was when I was sitting on the edge of the plane, and I was like, I'm going to die. <laughs> Like, oh, wow. I was like, I'm going to die. And then we like jumped off and it was like, you don't really realize it doesn't really hit you until like they've pulled the parachute. Um, sorry, I got distracted. Um, they, yeah. Until they pull the parachute and you're kind of just sitting there and like getting the scenery because the first 30 seconds is just basically like wind in your face. So yeah. So, um, otherwise after, it's pretty chill. After the first 30 seconds, they pull the cord bungee not bungee cord sorry the uh, parachute cord yeah and then it's like smooth sailing like how long does it take you to actually get back down to the ground 
I think all up, it's like not very long. It's only a couple of minutes. Yeah. Wow. That, it just must be amazing though, to be so high up, like cruising. Cause like you're going fairly slow once the parachute opens up, I assume. Yeah. Yeah. And then they kind of like spin you around a couple of times. I remember I get vertigo very easy in motion sickness and they started spinning me around and I was like, please stop doing that i'm gonna throw up <laughs> like, it's gonna it's gonna it has to have to be still i'm like you're spinning me man and we're like very high up and i'm gonna throw up on someone's property it's gonna land on a cow or something I'm oh like, could you imagine that yeah <laughs> yeah i'm sure it wouldn't be the first time it's happened you know people probably work themselves up as well like get scared and then throw up <laughs> yeah yeah oh my god it, it is quite scary yeah so that's, that's another thing you've done to put your, your life in danger. It's a calculated risk though, uh, as well as bungee jumping. Have you done that as well, have you? I think the most thing like I can come close to with the bungee jumping that's put my life in danger is when I was in Thailand, it's like, I, it's like a video on my Instagram. It's kind of really hard to explain, but like they put you in like a little like seat and it's like these two huge like i'm talking like huge poles and it's just like these rubber bands that come down you sit in like a like a seat that's like literally from a park <laughs> they just okay. picked up from a park you sit into it and then they drag you back by a car and then they shoot you like you're, you're slingshotting forward so that was probably the most scariest thing i've ever oh. done wow okay. yeah. so um there's the video yeah. on your instagram yeah. all right Luke, okay. you're gonna bring it up what's your instagram um, handle uh, it's mika de chesaro i think it is it, is it it's mika rose sure. it might be mika rose yeah yeah no it's mika de chesaro <laughs> my username is mika de chesaro otherwise luke won't be able to find it yeah yeah so no just my first and last name all right we'll, we'll see we'll see how how good he is if he's got issues he'll let us know but that sounds pretty pretty insane though it, it's, it's not it's not um traditional bungee jumping it's something different but it's still uh life-threatening if something goes wrong <laughs> oh man i can't even tell you i was like i was going to be shot back to australia like there's no way i was catching a plane yeah it was so scary yeah i can't imagine that like i, I like doing um out there and and fun things that like not that put your life on danger like to get the adrenaline but i've never done any, anything like that um like going on the the rides um, out at theme parks is probably like probably the most like extreme things yeah. that I've done. Yeah, they, they could be pretty scary though. <laughs> yeah, it's not, yeah, it's not that they're scared, but like you like like what if what happens if if something happens? Like oh my god, it's like that that little bit of like what if. <laughs> Yeah, and the only people that are putting it together is very underqualified, capable <laughs> people. So yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, it's um, it's it's crazy. I've never I've never done anything more extreme than that. Uh, Luke, have you got it? I believe I've got it. <laughs> Here we go. Video. Let's see. Let's see. Yeah, that's the one there. They pull you back go. and then they shoot you forward. So talk talk us through it. Oh, so they pull you forward and then <laughs> oh. they like, shoot you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah oh wow and then okay. this piece of string just like dangles about like no worries <laughs> like how you going that's that... kind of like if um holy shit yeah so if you're not watching this on youtube and you're just listening it's she's kind of strapped in with in, with like two massive poles either side and a car is pulling her back and there's like bungee cords attached to these poles and yep. then the car pulls you back and then 
lets you go, un unlatches you, and just throws you forward. So it can't, is that like G-force? Is that what you would call G-force? I have no idea, but... Yeah, I, I, those, kind yeah. of. Kind of. You're in the right ballpark. That's amazing. There you go. It's bloody scary. So you're not actually falling down. Like, you don't have that, like, you know, when your stomach drops, you get that weightlessness. It's not... Like, I'm you, telling you right you, now, your stomach drops. <laughs> it does? Is that it's, one? Yeah. Wow, yeah. okay. Wow. Yeah. kind of like... You get, get like thrown your organs will get thrown back because you're moving so fast forward <laughs> it was so dodgy i remember like on the third shot like no one else was doing it like i was the only one who opted to do it like out of everyone that i was with and on the third time they did it the headpiece that was behind me came off and it <gasps> shot and it hit me on the side of the face and oh, i was no. just like i was just like great i'm gonna die <laughs> like, this, is, this, this is i'm going out <laughs> what a way to go out though <laughs> Where where did you do this? What what country? In Thailand. Thailand. Yeah, Thailand. Oh my god! It's like everything's dodgy in Thailand. Yeah. Oh yeah, I've never been there, but like I think it's got a pretty good uh, rep for being a bit bit dodgy, you know, and doing something like that over there. Holy shit! Yeah, insane, isn't it? Yeah. It's like um, you know, when people go overseas and they've never done um, say uh, snorkel, uh, not snorkeling, um, uh, diving. When you have the tank and you've got the oxygen, I think the scuba, scuba diving. And it's like, you need, like in Australia, you need to go and get your full-blown license to do that. But in other countries, they're just like two-second demo. Like, yeah, this goes here, you turn that, off you go, like throw you off the boat. It's like, holy shit. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's so insane. As well. In Bali, um, they're very much so for doing that as well. Like, they just don't give a damn, like, if whatever makes them money, really. Yeah. Yeah, fucking hell. So we've ticked a few things off this list here. Is there anything else crazy that's put your life in danger that you've done? Because you sounded like you were going to list off a fair few things before. <laughs> uh, no, not, nothing really comes off the tip of my tongue. I really, yeah, just to sort of do those real things, really. Um, but yeah. And, and possibly getting your, your skull cracked open in a, in a more tiring <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, exactly. That's still sort of life-threatening, I guess. I had a really bad concussion after that fight for like two weeks. Oh, really? It's pretty scary. Yeah, yeah. So is there a whole um, process, like being a pro fighter, I imagine there's uh, you know, a, a process that has to be followed when something like that happens? Um, well, I had to have ACT and my brain was quite swollen because um, I kept getting these really bad headaches. I was like really pale. Um, half the time I really wanted to pass out. So I had a pretty big concussion. Um, but I think it's like after two concussions that you have, they don't let you fight for a year. Oh, wow. Yeah. Holy shit. I, I know um, it's become a big thing um, in sports, concussions. Um, and I think a, a lot of it is driven by um, players uh, like suing the, the organizations or the leagues after they retire because they've suffered... Um, brain damage, uh, memory loss, things like that. And especially in like AFL in Australia, you've seen over the years, I think, um, like the 20 minute rule, if you get KO'd, you have to go off for 20 minutes and then you can't yeah, play yeah. and then you have to miss the next week. So that's similar to what you're saying is if you get two concussions, you can't fight for a year. But in like AFL, they have um, like doctors and stuff there, a part of the club. So AFL, uh, like AFLW and AFL, they have doctors a part of the club and they actually do fight tests. Whereas boxing is kind of very private and self-managed, if that makes sense. Like yeah, okay. um, they have like a doctor at the fight show who will do like, like a little assessment, whatever. Um, and then basically after the fight show is done, you're on your own. 
um, so yeah. to speak. So um, whereas AFL, like they have the money to like fund that um, and yeah. to, yeah. you know, give like have doctors and make sure their um, players are very well looked after. Whereas in boxing, that's why a lot of fighters rely on sponsorships. Um, yeah, yeah, it's very, it's very um, self-managed to, so to speak. I, and well, I, I imagine you're um, being obviously um, playing sports and being in the industry for, for so long, you probably know about, you know, the health side of things and looking after yourself. But uh, another layer to that is you, uh, you're actually studying to do um, a paramedic. Is that, is that right? Yeah. Yeah. So I'm studying to be a paramedic. I am indeed. Um, and that's when I, after I got my um, concussion, it kind of was a little bit like two and two. And that's why I kind of wanted to go play footy as well, because if you, I don't know if you've done a little bit of research on boxers, but boxers from the um, back in the day who were like sort of in their older years now, like late forties, fifties, early sixties, they're showing a lot of like early signs of dementia and Alzheimer's yeah. because of, and actually a lot of personality disorders as well. They're kind of like losing their personality because they've taken so many blows. Unfortunately, being female, we have more of a higher risk at that as well we don't have yeah yeah so we're more susceptible to injury um whereas men like you know biology like they're sort of built to fight sort of thing whereas women are sort of built to breed (laughs) sort of thing um unfortunately that's how we were made um but yeah so after i got that concussion i really had to like weigh up i was like can i risk another concussion and then like when i'm 40 years old i have to then stop my career as a paramedic so it's like those little things that you have to like sort of take into account like and that's why a lot of fighters they don't have very big like careers like some people some people are very lucky and they can like for instance john wayne Parr, for instance like he's still fighting now that he's in his 40s mid 40s but some people they don't they just don't do that um it can be quite life-threatening and de- detrimental so and i was like oh, i'll probably have a few more fights or so probably play footy and then i'll have to put my career first as a paramedic yeah, it's it, sometimes, you know, it kind of boils down to, you know, looking after your health and you kind of see the people that ignore that, um, the professionals, yeah, they end up with, with serious uh, uh, injuries, well, not injuries, but like you know, long-term effects that, that, that affect their life, um, especially in boxing. Um, A lot of people have eye injuries as well because, like, the nerve from the, – they've got nerve damage, so um, – and like you know fractures in their face and stuff so i remember like tiffany vencer she's like a world champion with tie fighter in america she had like a nerve problem with her eye from being like punched in the head too many times so it's a lot of like behind the scenes stuff that you don't actually see um you see someone getting in the room and getting pulmonated but the injuries are kind of long term and whatnot it can be scary when you think of it but i guess you've got to have that attitude to just say oh well like you gotta do it for the passion really mm. Yeah, 100%. Some people like, well, we were saying it early on in, in the podcast, um, you know, like uh, type A personality and I was saying, you know, all or nothing. Some of these people, they just think, nah, fuck it. I don't care if I'm going to have, you know, long-term injuries in 40 years. I'm here now, you know, I want to be world champion. I want to be the best of the best. And they kind of put their personal health aside and they just fucking go hammer and tong and then they'll deal with it later. It's pretty common, I would say. Yeah, definitely. It is very common in athletes. Um, and that's where you've got to like weigh up that sort of 
odd, I guess, you know. I was very like that when I was 18, 19 years old. I was just like, fuck everything. I was like, study that everything can go aside. I was like, I don't care. I want to be a big name boxer. But like, it's just, it's so hard. Like, yeah. um, if I started footy probably back when I was like 19, I'd probably be in AFLW now. Um, but like, it's just yeah. some things that like, you know, happen for a reason, really. Yeah. Um, I want to be a micah, so I have to really. That's a lot more study. It's a post grad um, study as well, so it's yeah, it's yeah. I guess more prioritizing that. Prioritizing, I was, yeah. I was just about to ask that because I know you're, you're studying to be a paramedic, but um, a mobile intensive. What's it stand for? Um, I've actually got it written down. Uh, micah mobile intensive care ambulance. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, that's the one. So you're studying, so that's, um, that's not what you're studying now. That's extra study to achieve that. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So paramedic is a first responder. Um, you're kind of limited to what you can do with like drugs and all that sort of stuff. Whereas markers respond more to traumatic incidents uh, um, and they have more knowledge and they can sort of have more right to say, okay, give them this medication or um, do this. So they kind of um, just, yeah, they're, they've got more responsibility as a paramedic. Yeah. Okay. So that's really interesting. Um, and I'm starting to see a, a trend. Maybe I don't know. You can <laughs> you can say you can say that I'm wrong. But um, obviously, being a paramedic and um, would, would mean you you like to care for people and you're you're very passionate or compassionate, I should say. Um, and that is very similar to like you or obviously being an ambassador. Um, and you know, being a, a spokesperson, I guess, for looking after people's mental health and, and things like that. So, would you say you're a caring person and you you like to, I guess, look out for other people? Yeah, I'm more of a giver than a receiver. Yeah, I love to make sure. I, it makes me happy knowing that I can make somebody happy. That's probably yeah. like where I'm at. Like, if I can change somebody's life, or if I can have the opportunity to change somebody's life or mentor them, um, then I will take that opportunity and go with it and yeah i'm definitely more of a carer yeah okay yeah no, that's it's definitely look it definitely shows i mean I, that's, i've only been talking to you for for what, an hour and a half i think we've been going for roughly now and i can definitely see that like and it's it kind of um goes against the uh you know muay thai like rough and tumble fighter you know you got your, your foot yeah. you can see yeah but, yeah and most people and i mean i get this too because I've, I've got a fair few tattoos that people will judge you uh, straight mm -hmm. off the bat and and all the time oh, yeah you know, you're not you know, might not be a nice person and then when you start to get to talk to you you know and you you, you would get this all the time you get judged and then afterward people are like oh hang on you're actually a super caring compassionate person and really yeah. like, <laughs> it's so funny because my partner like we met on like instagram sort of thing but anyway she followed me for quite a bit before we met but she was like knowing you now like you're so compassionate and like just caring and like you're always looking out for other people but like the way that you portray yourself on instagram like you it's not a bad thing but like it's a different demeanor like you're tattooed you're this boxer you kind of look a little bit rough and tough but like you know deep down on that surface you're very caring and whatnot so i guess perception can be a different thing hey and tattoos, yeah. I mean, like, yeah. I get a lot about my tattoos and because I've got a massive throat tattoo and being a girl, it's very, it's not very common for girls to have throat tattoos either. So. Yeah. 
you, you go, you've gone one better than me because uh, mine stops at the base of my uh, of my throat, and you, you've gone the full the full whammy. Yeah, <laughs> I got that done in Thailand throat. actually. Oh really? <laughs> yeah, just the butterfly and the writing on my chest. I got done in Thailand, and then came back to Australia and sort of pieced it all together. Yeah, you, you um, like, yeah, obviously you can see it, but it's um, it's quite colourful. The the uh, screen, uh, from what I can see now, doesn't do it justice. But if you look on your your photos on, on Instagram, it's um, it's like got real vivid colours in it. That it looks like they've done a really really good job. Yeah, yeah, love the colours. It's very bright and vibrant. vibrant. Uh, are, are all your tattoos colour, or you got some black and grey? Because I'm pretty much all black and grey. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my legs. I've got like a leg sleeve sort of. Um, my thigh and the bottom half of my leg done is black and grey. Yeah, everywhere else is colour. Okay. Yeah, it's um, it's pretty. Is it pretty common? I guess for fighters to have tattoos. Uh, I guess it would be. I make the judgment that um, maybe maybe new, the new age. Yes and no. I mean, like anywhere you go, you can really have tattoos. Like, um, yeah, that makes sense. Um, but yeah, I mean, fighters do have tattoos. I mean, yeah, yes and no. It's really hard to say, really, because it's yeah, just yeah. a generalized thing. Yeah, I, I think it's more of a, a a new age thing. Like, if you look at um, I, I, I guess we're generalizing. If you look at a, a UFC, there's a hell of a lot of people in there that have tattoos. But um, if you look at boxing, I'm gonna what I'm catching myself on here is I'm trying to think like the big boxes, like obviously, I mean, Mike Tyson has a bloody <laughs> tattoo on his fucking on Yeah, his he's head. got a face tattoo. Has he got that um, lasered off? I'm not too sure, actually. I wouldn't have to, I wouldn't know. You'd have to Google that one, I reckon. Yeah. I don't know, like him, um, like uh, Tyson Fury doesn't have any any um, tattoos, I don't think. Um, does Deontay Wilder? Okay. I don't think so. Like oh, Anthony no, Joshua doesn't have any like no. uh, some of the female. We're boxes. talking boxing here. Yeah, you're, yeah. you're definitely into boxing. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. I am indeed. Are, yeah, yeah, I actually yeah. want to go to boxing. Like I don't want to keep uh, Muay Thai anymore because of my hip. Like it's just too much of a strain on my hip. So I I would actually probably go to boxing okay. um, next year. So yeah, and um, we'll just before I kind of cut you off again. You, you were about to list off some um, female boxes um, because I, I would probably, I don't know the name of any boxes and the ones I do are all probably the, you know, the, the main uh, heavyweights, male boxes, I guess. So yeah. who, who are some really good female boxes, world champion boxes? Um, Katie Taylor is my favorite. <laughs> I reckon she's from Ireland um, and she's just awesome. So she sort of was one of the, I could be wrong, but she was one of the um, female boxers that sort of changed boxing a little bit. Um, she's okay. very staunch and very strong and just a attitude towards it all. She's a little bit like Conor McGregor, really. <laughs> so, <laughs> but yeah, um, I don't know if she's a world champion, but I think she's an Australian champion. Um, okay. Shannon O'Connell. So Shannon Shotgun O'Connell. She's Australian and whatnot. She's pretty good. I've probably seen, um, you know, her come up on my Instagram because you know how Instagram bloody filters the yeah yeah know, the algorithm yeah the algorithm and because I was um really getting into boxing a lot like over the, over the last maybe ever since I bought a bloody bag as well I've been into it and I think um that that shot, uh, shotgun the, mm. that that nickname was, has come up as well I, I reckon I've seen seen videos of her 
Yep, she's a very good boxer. So they would probably have to be my two main boxers. But I don't really get into it, but yeah. Um, Sugar Neeks, I forgot her name. Her fighting name is Sugar Neeks or something like that. She's pretty good. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's just a shame that um, uh, boxing tense is probably like had been over a massive decline, I guess, um, since what the 80s and 90s. Uh, for me, it feels like it was probably more prevalent back then. But it's also a shame that um, men's and male boxing is probably, like all other sports, more in the limelight and, and in the media than, than female female boxing. Hopefully that can change. Yeah. We never know. Everything is very male dominated. It's very unfortunate. Like um, with pay, um, everywhere you go, like the workforce, sports, like I was looking at this chart of like, um, I think it's NBA players. Like um, this, they had a comparison of like a female NBA player and a male and it was LeBron James. And she played the exact same. She had the, literally to down to the T of the exact same statistics as LeBron James, and he had, I don't know what he's net, it was millions of dollars, millions yeah. and millions, and hers was like something like 500,000. So it, that's just a comparison to say that like she's put in just as much work as he has, and they get more money. And it's just the same as AFLW, like, um, yeah. you know, I mean, an AFL, like they get paid yearly, um, AFLW players get paid like sort of just for the months that they played, play and it's not much money at all um compared to the males who get paid annually so yeah that's like afl afl and aflw is probably something we hear about a lot more in in australia because i mean it's our national sport i guess um but yeah the, the pay bracket um or the pay difference between the, the aflw and afl players is is big the same. It's just the same as, you know, any other uh, uh, sport. So if you look at like Mason yeah, Fox, who plays for like Collingwood, they released his annual salary <laughs> and it was something like $500,000 for Mason Cox. Um, yeah. And it was, and I like nearly got blown away. Like he's an American. And like, if you look at his stats and footy, like it's not really the greatest stats at all. Um, no. And he gets like quite a bit, um, quite a bit of money compared yeah. to actually some really amazing players. So uh, yeah, the pay scale can be favoritized, you know? It's insane. The amount of money overseas so compared to like, AFL, it's insane the amount of money in basketball. Like you said, LeBron James is probably like millions and millions. Actually, Luke's into um, basketball, um, so he could probably list off some like numbers of, of uh, player salaries. But it's like there's 18, 19 year old kids. Well, actually, Luke can correct me. I think you have to be out of college, so probably 20 to play um, professionally. But they're like five, six million dollars, like 20 years old, like first contract it's insane i don't like what are you doing with that money like you don't need like even like over a lifetime like to do your whole life you don't need like that much money like it's just insane that they just pay that many and like i don't know and then you get like homeless people as well and stuff like that and it's just like why don't you i don't know it's just zion blows my mind (laughs) zion williamson was the number one pick from uh the 2019 slash 20 draft um, and he has a forty-four million dollar guaranteed four-year contract. Forty-four million dollars. Yeah, there you go. That is insane. Absolutely insane. But you, um, you see that as well in in boxing um, in, in your sport, like um, Conor McGregor and uh, Floyd Mayweather. 
holy shit, they're like, he made like $300 million Mayweather off that fight. And yeah, it was, it yeah. wasn't, it, well, no, it wasn't an exhibition fight. That was an actual professional, well, I guess an exhibition fight is professional, but it was, what's the difference actually? You could probably tell me like, why is a fight classified as an exhibition and not just a normal fight? Um, there's no um, contested winner in an exhibition fight. Yeah, basically. Okay. Um, and it's kind of like a controlled fight, if that makes sense. Yeah. Ah, uh, right. I think yeah. um, they explained that with um, the fight that's coming up with uh, Tyson and Roy Jones Jr. And it's another, another crazy thing that's happening. Um, because Tyson had previously done exhibition fights and they said well, it might be different in boxing or something like that but like yeah. in Muay Thai like I've done an exhibition fight before and it's very controlled and it's not a contested fight at all so it might be different for in America or something like that but yeah well I think they said it's it's, it's what it's what you're talking about they um like shorten the rounds they um you know yeah, go, yeah. like as hard it was more of like a, an event but um yeah, just the amount of like money in, involved in that. Like, even I think the Manny Pacquiao fight uh, against Mayweather was huge, and he tends to. Pull it's just all the, the talk to it. Boxing is all about money. It's yeah. a, they say it's a it's a uh, like a just what's it called? I don't know. It's just very money um, based, and it's just yeah. I don't know. That's what it is. It's always been like that. Yeah. Well, I, I wonder if um if the Tyson uh, uh, Roy Jones Jr. fight is like, if they're making a shitload of money out of that, I don't think they've actually spoke dollars because it's technically an, an exhibition fight. Um, although I, I imagine it's going to be a full blown um, Mike Tyson. I don't think he's got an off or a filter. He's kind of like... <laughs> Very interesting. I mean, I wonder why people like, I wonder why they've been out of retirement, like in retirement for so long and they come out like, are they like wanting? Are they wanting money? I don't know. Like it's very interesting yeah. to do that because I think Mike Tyson had like health problems as well. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. And like actually, what we it's, that kind of circles back to what we were saying before about um, fighters retiring because you know they've had head knocks and injuries, and you see it in a lot of fighters that later on um, they got like early onset dementia and uh, loss of vision and things like that. Like I would imagine, oh, you'd have to imagine that. Um, Tyson has something like that. Maybe not Roy Jones Jr. because he was a phenom back in the day and no one could hit him. Mm. But, so I don't imagine he took too many punches. But like Tyson definitely got hit a few times. He, he would have some sort of damage. <laughs> oh, for sure. Like even Muhammad Ali, he had um, Parkinson's, I think he had, or something like that, or Alzheimer's, yeah. something along those lines. Like that was from boxing because he took so many head blows. Like so many boxes, like. And it's starting to be more prevalent now because all those boxers back in those day and ages are getting older and like the, you know, the illnesses are showing now. So it's insane. And for me, who's very much so like one of my passions is the medical field. And I see, mm -hmm. um, you know, into the medical field, I'm like, holy shit, like <laughs> that's scary knowing that I'm a boxer and, you know, I may not be able to have kids one day because it's ruined my body and, you know, or I won't be able to live to see my grandkids. Um, so I guess if you've got like a chance to like have a legacy or like to fight, do it, but then know your limits, I guess. Yeah. That's one thing that I kind of realized this year. Um, I'm tw I turned 26 um, back at the start of the year and I'm, I love uh, sports. And I was like, I was getting into this boxing and I was like, holy shit, maybe I could like be a boxer like <laughs> yeah, you're to and then I got inspired <laughs> I was watching videos and I was doing tutorials and I was like learning like you know to 
swing your hips and all the body movements very and technical and, yeah and then i was kind of like i was and i and because i was obviously then on the other side of that is i was watching a lot more boxing matches and i was getting really into like the who's number one and who holds the belts and then i realized one thing uh like these world champions some of them are like 20 years old <laughs> <laughs> I was like, and yeah. I'm like, I, I got no chance to to do anything, you know. So I was like, maybe I need to cut back on on these like wanting to be a power lifter or, or a boxing champion and maybe i should focus more on using my brain and <laughs> and and not destroying my body because i you know i want to be healthy when i'm older oh <laughs> uh, yeah i guess there's like there's a kind of flip side to that if you're never too old to really do anything i mean um what not? I guess a lot of those kids who are like 20 years old and they're world champions, they're quite privileged because they've done, you know, they've grown up around it um, and they've come from quite privileged families, yeah. families that have, have allowed them to, to do that. So it is very counter flip side that is. Um, but yeah, no, I'm going to, I'm a very big advocate. You're never too old to do anything, especially weightlifting and powerlifting. I mean, yeah. I mean, as long as you're not getting those big blows to your head. So yeah. Yeah. Hundred percent. So, I, I've never done, I've never done powerlifting um, like in competition. But I do like to lift. Like, well, it's one of the techniques I use to try to grow as much muscle as I can. Is I think one rep maxes and lifting heavy is, is really, really good for you. And and I play with the idea. I buy five is really good as well. Yeah, five, yeah. five reps. Did you say? No, you got to stick to. Yeah, five reps by five sets is quite good. Okay, um, but yeah, no. Yeah. Stick to your stick to your strengths, say hey, whatever you feel good at. Oh no, it just makes me feel good when I can lift something <laughs> really, really heavy, even if it's just for one rep. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah, I guess you about that one. If it was making me feel good, and not a lot of girls can lift a lot of weight that I can, so I feel heavy that I. I feel well, a hundred and forty kilo deadlift, and and you said you squatted what one twenty one thirty as well. Like that's bloody good, and especially if you're only weighing, you know, I think you said you fight at fifty eight, which is obviously your fifty eight or fifty three. I fight at 53, but I usually walk around at about 58 kilos. Right now, I'm not even close to that. <laughs> so, yeah. No one's at their, at their weight that they want to be at now because of the last, you know, eight months being isolated. Plus, you've had the, the hip injury. And yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's, uh, it's been a bit crazy uh, this, this last uh, eight months, I guess. How, how have you actually dealt with it? Like, what's, what's been going on in, in your world during, during COVID? Um, well, I've had, I've had multiple things, so I had to stop working. Um, and then, well, I was, I opted out not to work cause I was living in Melbourne and then I moved to Geelong. Um, cause the, I was paying like very, like a lot of rent, like for my rent in Melbourne, it was like $350, um, and working and whatnot. So I was like, you know what? Like, I just had this really weird feeling that I wanted to move back to Geelong and I, that where you're originally from? Yeah. Yeah. I was born and raised here and I only lived in Melbourne for a year, but I had just this really weird feeling just to move back home. Like I really missed home. I really miss horse riding. I really miss motorbike riding. I really miss just being able to like, just go camping and like being so accessible to like, you know, mountains and the beach and stuff like that. Whereas in Melbourne, I was right in the city and I didn't have that sort of, um, and have to plan a day trip out of it, so to speak. And I didn't really have that time. Um, so I was just like, I really miss home and I want to move back home. And I put my notice in and then I moved to Geelong and then a week later, um, everything got shut down and um, like, this is before JobKeeper and stuff like that. And um, yeah, and I was just like, lucky I did that. But 
And then I just, then it was kind of like opt work as well. Like my nan was very sick at the time and I was around a newborn. My sister had a baby and I just didn't want to risk going to work and having that potential of catching COVID. Um, my work was in one of those hotspots as well. Um, and I was just like, I'm going to, I'm going to take myself out of that situation. Cause if I get a family member sick, like I just don't know if I could, I don't know how I would handle that, <clears throat> especially if it was my nan who's very sick in hospital. Um, so I stopped working. Um, and I guess like COVID made me realize that like, I really have to focus on different things. Like if that makes sense, cause I was supposed to have a few fights lined up. So my last fight, and then I was supposed to fight like two months after that. And then again, two months after that. And then I was actually supposed to, if all those went well and I went, if I had a win, I was supposed to fight for a title in November, which was this coming month. Um, but I guess COVID made me kind of realize that I have to focus on my paramedicine because like I'm in my studies where I have to really study, if that makes sense. Like I can't just go to uni and wing it. Like it's um, yeah. like I'm dealing with people's lives potentially. And um, that's what it made me realize. And it just made me realize and, and appreciate things that I didn't have and never take things for like granted really. Yeah. That's, that's probably one thing that a lot of people have learned um, this year don't take things for granted because a lot of people have been out of jobs. It's been real tough for, yeah. for a lot of people. And especially um, with like gyms being closed, um, you lose like a lot of people would have lost that um, home away from home. Um, and I, I, I kind of struggled with that as well. Not, not being able to go to the gym and de-stress, I guess. So a lot of people have learned a lot of things this year about themselves, I guess yeah so, absolutely yeah it's been a really weird year like i don't know how to even explain it really like there's been like a lot of things that have happened i mean things that i'd never at the start of the year would have guessed like when i was at the start of the year i was like well, planning my fights for the year and planning on traveling like interstate like i was supposed to have fights in perth and queensland and um and all this sort of stuff and literally like now i'm planning like to squat my own body weight because of my broken um hip so it's really like different to like say that what life can throw at you because like if if COVID didn't hit I wouldn't have played footy and I would still be you know would, my hip still broke and all that sort of stuff so it's a lot of what ifs but I don't think you should hold on to what ifs and sort of just deal with what's in front of you really yeah yeah 100% like no regrets type thing full steam ahead and you just deal with the problems as they come and I have no doubt that you will overcome this uh, hip injury and hopefully hopefully fight, fight again if maybe not um, at, at such a high level as as what you've previously been doing because you might focus on your studies more but oh no i still have a few fights yeah yeah, yeah i they're, definitely will they're, they're booked and ready to go actually that's one thing you might you could probably explain because i wasn't too um too sure about it so you don't you don't actually fight for a league or an organization you, you have um promoters who get in contact with you Basically, yeah. So it depends. Like some people, like yeah, I can say in Thailand, there's an organization called One Championship. Like if you sign to them, you have to do like say if you sign for five fights, you have to do those five fights for them, and you can't fight for anyone else. Okay. Um, whereas um, I'm not contracted, or a lot of fighters aren't contracted in that sort of sense. It's more so like we train, um, we say fight fit, fight ready, and then say a promotion will then contact my trainer and say I've got. A, an opponent for Tamika um, let's talk about weight let's talk about 
purse, all that sort of stuff. And then my trainer will say, I've got a fight for you. Do you want to fight it? <laughs> and I'll say yes or no. And then we sort of go from there. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's interesting how, how it works. And some, someone like me, if you, you know, he's a very, very minimal fan of, of that. I might actually get more into it. If, if the trend is tracking right, I'll be fully into Muay Thai as well <laughs> by, uh, by the end of the year. But um, it's, yeah, it's interesting to know like how things, how things work. So it's slightly different to other um, main sports, you know, like basketball, you know, soccer, AFL and, and NFL. That's yeah, all, like, le- yeah. Leagues and you play, I guess they're all team sports, but um, yes, yeah, sorry. Disregard what I said then, they're, they're all team sports. I actually wouldn't know how tennis works either. They've probably got promoters. <laughs> not the same. No, not I, the don't, same I don't take tennis. any offense if you thought you were offended. <laughs> Definitely not. No, no. no I've actually started tennis. playing a little bit of tennis. Oh, really? Jeez, <laughs> I just, I'm really shit at it. <laughs> yeah, really, really shit at it, but my <laughs> partner really likes it, so I gave it a go. <laughs> I ended up like, Pipping the ball over the fence, <laughs> I gave it a good whack and it went over the fence, and I was like, "Well, <laughs> I'll stick to boxing." Yeah, yeah. see, that's too too much too much uh, aggression and power. You used to punching as hard as you can. You don't have to hit the ball as hard as you can. <laughs> I don't even th- I don't even think that I was hitting it hard. That's the thing. I just it just bounced off the racket. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I've, I've done the same exactly the same thing. I actually used to play um, squash. Have you ever heard of squash? Oh yeah, that's the in that like room thing, and it's like, yeah, yeah, like yeah. going a hundred miles an hour. Yeah, yeah that, that's an intense sport. Like you, you can get bloody hurt. But you have to wear um, eye goggles because the ball. Can yeah. Get, or you get hit. With, I've been hit with the racket. Like holy shit, that's fucking intense. That sport. <laughs> yeah, I guess every sport sort of has their intensity to it. Hey, yeah. No, hundred percent, hundred percent agree. So, what's uh, what does the future hold? For, for to make, I know we, we, we know everything that's been occurring and we can probably forecast a little bit, but what, what are you, what are your goals over the next year? What have you been writing down in your journal? What have I been writing down in my journal? <laughs> okay. Um, so for the next year, um, I really want to focus on strengthening my hip up. Um, I've sort of got like two ways where I want to go. Um, I'm very like in a spot where I'm kind of stuck at the moment thinking, do I want to go and focus on boxing? Um, or do I want to go focus on footy? Um, whereas they both have very pros and cons to them. Um, it's just where I want to go and then just focusing. Like if I want to go play footy, the main end goal, I like I like was talking about before, it's 100% or nothing. If yeah. I go play footy, it's getting an AFLW. And um, I actually have the resources and the people to get me there. Um, and they think that I'm very like naturally gifted at sports. So there's no problems getting there. It's just um, sort of recovering from the injury that I have. Um, so that's that main goal. But if I go boxing, um, I really don't know what path that will lead, <laughs> um, depending on like which gym that I'm at or I'm going back to my old gym. Um, but yeah, hopefully I can either go one or the other or, you know, maybe even both depending on the on and off seasons of them. And then, um, yeah, just really focusing on my studies this year and next year will be a massive study load. Um, we're learning a lot about trauma, um, and dealing with traumatic incidents. So that's probably the two things for me is, um, sports and, um, study. Yeah. Sounds like you got uh, your work cut out for you. You're going to be busy, but I guess being busy is better than being, being bored. So, you, you never know what the future holds. So sounds like yeah, you're, yeah. Uh, you've got a lot on your plate. So um, it's been a pleasure having you on. I've been going for a, for a fair while now. 
it's been almost two hours. Almost, yeah. So we could probably talk all day and night, but at some point people get sick of my voice. <laughs> I'm sure you're sick of my voice as well. <laughs> no, no, I look, I'm, this is great. I, I've been enjoying doing uh, doing podcasting and it's, uh, it's good to, um, you know, get people on to talk about things that they're passionate about and you're definitely passionate about a lot of stuff and you know people learn and that they they hear about things that they you know necessarily would never have heard of and you know people are aware of um you know the, the organizations involved with mental health and the in the um you know mma fire fighting muay thai all, all that kind of industry now so and lots of yep. other things that we spoke about <laughs> Definitely, we learn off other people. Absolutely, we're only creatures of habit. So, yeah, yeah, it's definitely good to get other people on and see their perspective. Um, so, if you're, uh, yeah, definitely. If um, if anyone else is interested in looking back on that, the Kondamuka Cup is very interesting. Is there is there anything else that you want to give a shout out to or or highlight that people can look at for anything? It doesn't have to be about about that. Um, no, definitely. I would, I would, I know that we've spoken a lot about the cons of boxing and the injuries and all that sort of stuff. <laughs> I don't really think we've touched base on the, the pros, but definitely give boxing or Muay Thai go. It's amazing for your discipline and it gives you some character and it teaches, it teaches you a lot about yourself. So I really, really highly recommend, and it is really a control setting as well when you go to training. Um, it's not like footy, like you should know when you go to footy, you can't predict what that other person's going to do. Like you're running after that ball and so is that other person and you don't know what's going to be the aftermath of getting that ball sort of thing. So um, whereas boxing and Muay Thai, it's very controlled. Um, you're padded up and I guess if you're also getting taught off a, a very experienced person, you can read what they're getting, like, you know, you can read their punches mm -hmm. and kicks and they're not going to fully like, you know, unless you've got a dick of a training partner, um, they're not going to throw a punch from um, last week and wind you into next week sort of thing. <laughs> so um, it is a very controlled, it is very fun. You meet new people and you just learn so many things about yourself and you, you learn things that you never knew that was there as well. Um, especially it gets you through some pretty dark times. Yeah, I, I think on top of all of that, like something changes um, in, in you when, when you realize that, um, you, you know, when you get punched, say, for that first time and you realize that, one, you're not, say, invincible, but two, you can also take a punch and, and you, you know, you're, you're capable of actually sustaining some damage and being like, well, it's kind of like a shock to the system, like, right that hurt but I'm good to go again and like that, that does something to you very experienced that because a few people have actually oh yeah uh, I have explained um, that <laughs> yeah I have yeah definitely <laughs> I remember one of my fights my coach talked me up so much I probably shouldn't be saying it but he talked me up so much for this fight he was like you're going to go in there and you're going to just smash this girl <laughs> i remember the first bell she punched me and i was like what the fuck <laughs> i was like i was not expecting that i remember that so clearly like i was not expecting that but um in training wise um yeah yeah definitely um and especially when you put boys to shame too because like i you know like a very male dominated gym like there was not many girls there if any i was the only girl fighter and a few guys would come in and we'd spar guys and whatnot and you know they would always say, I don't want to go partner up with a girl. Um, I don't want to hit her, her too hard. But it's, it's you know, that moment that you do get hit, 
like it, it can knock you back a little bit, but you've just got to kind of like regroup yourself and um, you've got to think quick, if that makes sense. Um, yeah. And you're going to be able to pull yourself out real quickly. Yeah. I have had that. I've, yeah, very lot. I've had that a lot. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. See, I, 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 I knew, well, a lot of people have said it to me and explained that kind of scenario where it's like you get, because a lot many people have been punched really, really hard in the face. <laughs> I remember one time I was sparring this little kid. He was like probably like 14 and he was my height, my weight, and he was very good. And he threw, I wasn't expecting it, hey. Like I was just, I was just happily moving around with him. Like nothing out of the ordinary. And he threw a massive overhand and it was actually probably the, the first time I ever got rocked. And it was by a 14 year old kid. And it literally made me question why I was boxing. <laughs> so, yeah it made me like because your head kind of wobbles a little bit your eyes go a little bit funny and like you kind of feel a little bit disorientated for a few seconds but yeah wow so that's a, it's a real thing because if you've never um had that happen to you um and you're only ever watching um the, you know the sport uh, you, you'll hear the commentators say oh you know um, i think they're rocked or you know that one rocked them you can and see it in their eyes yeah yeah it's literally like your brain is just being rattled in, in your skull and so you're saying you your vision goes a bit bit funny and you feel a bit disorientated yeah i remember when i got um elbowed in my last fight um all i felt was the pressure of my head and it felt like my head was going to explode um yeah and that's i at one point i didn't realize that i got cut i actually thought it was like sweat dripping down my forehead and like i like rubbed my eyes with my glove which is probably the worst thing that you can do because then like you're rubbing it started to sting um uh, and then yeah so it it just if yeah it's a different feeling for sure and some people get really scared like if you're training some people will actually say i'm done and they'll get out or some people really pull themselves together and kind of march forward so yeah right so we were supposed to be talking about the positives <laughs> yeah that is a positive it's a character building that's character building there you go we're, we're, we're tying it up with a nice bow there it's character character building it's it is true it's um like you said probably the, one of the main things is like builds discipline a lot of um uh, young kids their parents will send them to um, you know, Taekwondo is probably a good starting point for discipline to learn. You know, you have your master, sensei, trainer. They hold the same kind of um, authority position. And it's, no matter what age you are, I'm assuming that the respect you're supposed to give to your trainer stays the same, no matter what age you are. Yeah, definitely. I mean, you learn respect for sure. I you Very quickly. I remember one time I was training for a fight and my coach said, no elbows. And my... 18, 19 year old self decided to elbow my coach and I cut him and he, he slapped me. <laughs> so oh. he, he literally slapped me. <laughs> so uh, I remember very clearly to always respect, um, respect your training partners, respect your coach. They're putting time and effort into you. Um, if you show discipline and if you show that you want to be there, they'll put more time and effort into you. Um, if you're really passionate about it, um, they can see that as well. Um, and it's just a really good, fun environment to be around, really. You don't even have to go there to fight. Like, you can go into a boxing gym and just say you want to learn self-defense and you'll be around the fighters, you'll be around um, other people who are learning self-defense. It's just, yeah, overall, just a really um, great environment to be around. Yeah. Well, there you have it. If you, if you want to get into fighting, you definitely should because it's a great environment builds character, you uh, learn discipline. 
I reckon, I reckon you get a good, a good, uh, a positive spin on all of that because we did talk a lot about negatives, but it's a great, yeah, it's a great thing to do. Yeah, it's part of it, though. It's part of it, though. So I guess uh, if you're doing it for fun um, and just to just to, for cardio and fitness, like it's amazing uh, uh, cardio and fitness. Any any type of fighting, like go just go on, go to your local gym and hit the heavy bag for five minutes if you can for five minutes straight. Yeah, <laughs> Even for two yeah. minutes, like. You just break up a sweat. Like, I, I, I'll throw, you know, five or six punches in a row, and then I'm like, holy shit, I'm puffing. Like, imagine doing that for three <laughs> minutes. Ten three-minute rounds, and, oh. Oh, like, it's different when you're getting hit as well, hey. Yeah, because when you've got your adrenaline, when you are this is the whole point about like a difference between an amateur and a professional um, is that amateurs can control like their breath and they can control when they're going to gas out and um, all that sort of stuff. Like when you're a professional, you know how to control that and you can pick your shots and you can, you know where to waste your energy and conserve when to conserve your energy sort of thing, um, which is really, really good. Like that's the difference between an amateur and a professional really. And when you're getting hit, like you've got to go back straight away. It's to, it's more energy to get hit than to actually hit as well. Um, you know, it's the same as like, you know, when you cork your leg, you know, when you yeah. cork your leg and yeah, you yeah. walk afterwards. Yeah. Like imagine getting kicked in the same spot 20 fucking oh. times and then having to kick off that leg. Like, um, so yeah, it's very, very much so um, an endurance and um, it's more of a mental game really than a physical game. Oh, I, I imagine uh, it would definitely be a, a mental game. You know, you, you're getting punched and kicked and then you got to think, yeah, you've got your game plan and your strategy um, and then obviously the other person is trying to counteract that. And what's going through your head is like split decisions that is either going to mean you're going to win or you're going to be knocked out. <laughs> yeah, as Mike Tyson say, you've got a game plan and oh, you've got a plan until you get hit or something like that. As long as I was like, just about to say that. I think that yeah. I think it is everybody has a plan until they get punched in the mouth. Yeah, exactly. I think, I think that's sure. right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, literally. Yeah, you can think about it, but then you have a your fight or flight system, and then boom, <laughs> it's on. So yeah, definitely. Well, go to your local gym, and if you're into that sort of stuff get punched in the mouth maybe while you're sparring and it might actually change your whole life because you, you might realize yeah. a few things, you know, <laughs> or maybe, maybe you just got your, your brain rattled a bit and you think you learned something new, but you really didn't. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> keep on keeping on, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's it. So, um, what's your, uh, what's your socials? Uh, if you want people to follow you, obviously, you know, you've already said your socials, but you can say it again. <laughs> Um, I actually don't have Facebook, but my um, Instagram is Tamika DeCesare. Um I literally probably just post about camping and horse riding and um, fighting on there. That's really my life and reminiscing about my fighting because obviously I can't do it or can't train at the moment. So, um, yeah, that's my socials. Perfect. So go and follow if you want to see any of that stuff. Um, hopefully... Hopefully your training uh, can get kickstarted again once your injury is up and you can post some more about that because some of the older videos on there are, are awesome to watch. Um, but for now, I guess we can, uh, we've probably been gone for two hours now, if I'm, if I'm correct. So yep, we'll, two uh, hours, yeah. <laughs> I'm definitely more, more than happy to have you on again because we only scratch the surface on a lot of these things. So if, uh, if, you would be, if you want to come on again, I'll definitely have you on again. 
Definitely, just um, yeah, time and place sort of thing on all time. Yeah, maybe, maybe, maybe the next time might be actually be in person because we're coming out of bloody lockdown now, so we can actually drive around and do things. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, hopefully we might actually be able to do that. <laughs> Touch wood. All right, uh, stay, stay on. Don't hang up because we can still talk shit after this. But for everyone listening, go and follow Tamika. Go to the YouTube channel or any of my other socials, Adam Kochi Podcast. And uh, there you have it, Tamika. Thank you very much. Awesome. Thanks for having me. Bye. Bye.